Hey, who fans, and welcome to the Big Blue Box podcast. My name's Gary. My name's Adam. And we're at episode 173. Have you ever thought what it's like to be wanderers in the fourth dimension? Nobody in the universe can do what we're doing. I've reversed the polarity of the neutron flow, so the TARDIS should be free of the force field now. There's no point in being grown up if you can't be childish sometimes. The trouble with time travel is one never seems to find the time. Change, my dear. And it seems on a moment too soon. Unlimited rice pudding, etc., etc. I am the doctor. Great men are forged in fire. It is the privilege of lesser men to light the flame. I'm the doctor. This is Rose Tyler. She's my plus one. Is that all right? That would be me. Hello. Surprise. Boom. Etc. I'm the doctor. Do everything I tell you. Don't ask stupid questions. And don't wander off. How can you kidneys? I don't like the colour. Howdy, howdy, do who fans? We are back with 173. Hope you've had a cracking week and that you've all managed to do something, something Doctor Who related. related. <laughs> yeah. Been a quiet one for me. I know you've been out and about, buddy. I have, yes. I saw a, a certain <laughs> video that was posted on Twitter. I was very surprised for two reasons. <laughs> uh, anyone that doesn't follow Adam on Twitter is reposted and something on Twitter. You were out and about over at the Who shop in Barking, weren't you? And, yes, uh, yeah. I was, I was very surprised for a couple of reasons. Number one, that you all managed to sync up with your fourth Doctor scarves. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if that was planned or not. I'll I'll tell I'll explain okay. in a minute. Gone. And the second one is how the hell did you manage that with old uh, Miss, <laughs> Mrs. Onuk? Because she was even involved in in the video that was shot inside. That this is like a like a once in a lifetime opportunity. I know it was very very surreal. Um, so I'll yeah I'll just explain what happened. Right. So uh, my friend Will was going to a tent plant event in Barking which is like two stops up from where the who shop is mm-hmm. and suggested I didn't want, I, I couldn't go to the barking thing. I wasn't, wasn't yeah too bothered about it. So I said, well, I could meet you afterwards. I, you know, you, cause I'll, by the time I get to barking, it'll, you'll all have been done all your stuff. So I could meet you at the who shop after cause I haven't been to the who shop for ages. So, you know, yeah, let's do that. So we meet in the who shop. I spent our ages in there. Um, as you do, you know, as yep. you do, just yep. looking around. Um, and we went in the museum because uh, um, Will said he hadn't been in there for like 10 years. <laughs> so I said, let's do it. I never get bored of it. they got a tiny little museum in the Who shop. Um, and it was really cool because normally one of the young lads shows you around and you sort of go around within five minutes. But he got called out the front of the shop for something. So the, Somebody taking photos. Somebody, probably somebody taking photos. <laughs> and um, so, um, yeah, so we got the older chap. Who I'm not sure if it's the owner's partner or if he's just part of the business or really nice guy. He took us around. And we must have spent nearly an hour in there. You know how small that museum is. Yeah. But um, we had two other friends waiting for us out the front because they wanted to go and get some lunch. We were doing their nut because we literally went in and didn't come out. <laughs> but it was brilliant. <laughs> the guy was just so in-depth about everything in there. We were talking about 
because obviously over the years they've got to meet everyone on the wall i expect you've noticed because you've been in there they've got a wall of all these photographs of like you know there's them with john nathan turner and and just about everybody you can think of from from doctor who over the years all the companions you know they've all been in uh, there everybody's been in there and they've you know they've moved locations a few times but always around the same area um and uh, so he was just telling us all these stories and showing us all these letters from the bbc and and things like that and it was fascinating um and he was telling us about props that they've just managed to get their hands on and and you know this is going to be in here next time you come in and so we were in there for ages and we had the, the best time now i know you know me and you have, have said a few times over the years about um the no photo policy so basically <laughs> it is a, it is quite strict in there so if you are if you ask if you can take a photo they might allow it in the shop yes but you have yep. to ask you because they've mm-hmm. got it's, it's they've got loads they've got like tardis you know a couple of tardises in there and daleks and stuff you kind of want to take a photo but you have to ask there are signs up everywhere saying no photos in the museum and this was killing me on saturday because you know i like to photograph everything i you know i just go mad with photos in the museum, you are allowed to take photos, but only on a real camera. So they won't allow it on your phone. Mm-hmm. That's right. And I, of course, I always forget. I mean, I don't even know where my real camera is. Do you know what I mean? I know I've got one somewhere, <laughs> but I, I uh, you know, but every time I know I'm going to the shop, I think I should take it because I want to get some pictures in the museum. But of course, I didn't. So we're going round and we're spending ages in there, and there's all these cool props, and I'm just dying to get a <laughs> sneaky little. I'm thinking if he just. Maybe if he just talks to Will for a minute, I might just get one of the TARDIS console they've got in the corner. No, there was no chance um, of getting any pictures in there. So I'm going to have to go again because I really want to get some pictures of all the cool props they've got. Um, And then we came out, and because we'd been in the shop so long, and I'd made a very cheeky little purchase because I couldn't resist it. Oh, no. You haven't seen this yet because I haven't put it on Facebook. She had a sea devil, Robert Harrop <gasps> sea devil in the cabinet. Oh. And I was like, oh, how much is that? And it, in the cabinet, it said it was sixty nine ninety nine, which is about the price it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But on the box, it said fifty nine ninety nine. So I was like, well, which is it? Because if it's fifty nine, um, I would be tempted and uh, you know even though even though i was like saying to will blimineck you know try not to spend but you know how long i've been after that <laughs> thing right so she comes out and she says it's 59.99 but first of all it hasn't got its little certificate oh i like the little certificates but <laughs> you know how long have i wanted this thing and it does you know i'd inspected it mm-hmm. i'd had a look at it got him to get i said oh it does look good and she says and also it's had a repair Oh, and this is it. You know what I'm like. I'm so fussy mm-hmm. with things. I was like, a repair. And I was instantly in my mind back trying to think, no, no, this is, I'm not getting it. No. She's like, but see, if, if you can spot it, then I'll be amazed. And I spent ages looking. I was like, has, has something been glued back on? But mm-hmm. I couldn't find it. And what it is, is it had a tiny little scratch on one of his little, on, on the side of his face. Okay. And they'd sort of, they'd, they'd painted it. Right. And I, I mean, you just would, ne- I would never of known okay at all so anyway long story short i bought the sea devil um even though i'm sort of thinking oh i haven't got the little certificate but anyway he does look cool he looks amazing i finally got my hands on him uh, he's a bit of a refurbed sea devil but he's you know he looks amazing you wouldn't know um, like you said you wouldn't I, oh wouldn't honestly know. mate it's yeah. the tiniest I, in some ways i wish you hadn't told me because i would never ever and even now if i stare at it you can oh you can barely see it, it i would just would never have noticed so mm. it's good of her to tell me 
So anyway, bringing the story full circle, we've got that. We spent ages in the shop. We've been chatting to the two. I think they're the two owners. She's definitely the owner. And getting on really well with them. She was in an incredibly good mood. You know, we were really having a good old chat about the good old days of Doctor Who and all this sort of stuff. So so we're about to finally leave, and I must have been in there well over two hours, maybe three. I've been in there ages, waiting for Will and doing the museum and all that stuff. And then before we go, she's like, hang on, come back, come back. Oh, what's happening? Suddenly, a load of props are coming out. Doctor Who scarves, a hat, oh, a dog, right. a great big dog appeared from nowhere. I was like, what? a real dog, I mean, not a prop dog, a real dog, their dog. Um, and the dog's wearing a hat and we're stood in front of the TARDIS. She goes, right, we're going to quickly record a message. Happy birthday, Tom Baker. I said, like, oh, right. So we, we're all sat in front of the big TARDIS that they've mm-hmm. got in the shop with this dog, with this, all the scarves wrapped all around us. I think there's, what was there, six of us, something yeah. like that? Yeah. And uh, yeah, we all record this little message. Happy birthday, Tom, which she then puts on Facebook. And then uh, so that we finally sort of leave. And it's it was an absolutely fantastic day. I tell you, I'm really glad I went because... I so nearly said to Will, I'll just meet you in Forbidden Planet because mm-hmm. the Who shop is a bit out of it. I kept thinking, do I want, can I be bothered to go to Upton Park? Mm-hmm. It's out of the way, isn't it? It's yeah. out of the way, but mm-hmm. I'm so glad I did. Um, and yeah, and obviously it, it was on Twitter and, you know, I repost everywhere. So it was, yeah, it's a very unexpected little, you know, thing, but it was, it was a really good day and I, I actually can't wait to go back there. I really can't. It's awesome, isn't it? Where is she I, getting those Harrop figures, though? She had the mm. Ice Warrior as well, which is another one that they've not had for ages and you can't get for love nor money. Yeah, I reckon she's got a, a relationship with the with the Robert Harrop guys because remember you were looking for the little the dude. Malice, the the Malice. Malice. For ages. And then I was in there one time and I thought, I'm 99% sure Adam's been after this guy for about a year maybe. Yeah. year and a half almost, maybe two years even, after it was first released, because it has been out for ages. Yeah. And, you, and I remember you saying multiple times on the show that you'd kept your eye on eBay and you'd seen a few, but they were ridiculous money and so on. Mm-hmm. And I saw that in the cabinet, and I was like, where did that come from? Well, yeah, so, and she's got another one, because that was the thing. When I bought it, you know, obviously they'd got one again. And I went in, and they've got another Malice in there uh, this weekend. And they also, yeah, as I said, they had the Ice Warrior. Um Davros they had last time, but he's gone. Mm-hmm. And he's another one that's sold out on the West Side. So I don't know. Yeah, maybe she's got, you know, on good relation, uh, good terms with um, Harrop. And maybe if they've got some that need little odd, you know, repairs. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Or maybe she's just getting them from a supplier. But that's yeah, either I'm, way. I'm thinking that, you know, maybe if somebody's bought a Robert Harrop, you know, and they've unboxed it and they thought, oh, that sea devil's got a little scratch on his face there. Mm. Contact Robert Harrop and they send it back for a replacement. So Robert Harrop probably touch it up and they've probably got a list of retailers that will take him off their hands for a slightly reduced cost. Could so, be, yeah. So maybe that's what it is. They're just like the ones that get sent back because they are, they've got these little, you know, maybe at the time that scratch on his face was just noticeable that the person was like, mm, not happy with that. Yeah, probably. Yeah, it's the sort of thing I would pick up on Mm. straight away if it was visible. If you know, I mean, before the repair sort of thing, I'd as soon as he got the box, I'd have spotted it because I'm really like not, you know, really hot on stuff like that. I'm not happy with any little marks. Like Mm -hmm. when if you if you watch my unboxing video of the Titan things, 
I, the, the second I unboxed some of those, I noticed little bits like, you know, the bill figure's got a little scratch on her top and I was like, you know, and Bo's got a little mark on his face and, you know, the tiniest little thing. I tend mm-hmm. to zoom in straight on it. So, yeah, I'm quite hot and stuff like that. But yeah, so that was that. And it was it, it was an absolutely fantastic day. And we went to FP, obviously. That has to be done if you're in London. And um, and uh, the guys so bought a few of Not so much these days. Not no, for me no, anyway. no, no. Well, they, I mean, there wasn't anything majorly new in there. They had the new Mister Men figures. I know you've got the first Doctor. Um, I picked up uh, the first Doctor, and um, last week I got my other half to buy me the fourth Doctor. I'm, I'm still getting an ear bashing over it. You'd never believe, because they're <laughs> ten pounds, aren't they? Yes. Yeah. He's still moaning about the fact. <laughs> He's like, blimmin' £10 for that bit of plastic. Because when I come in with the first Doctor one on Saturday, he's like, you haven't bought another one of them. <laughs> £10 they are for that bit. And I was like, oh, shut up. You keep going on about it. So um, I, I gave him the money as well. It's not as if he had to pay for it. Um, so, yeah, I've got the first Doctor the fourth Doctor now. I actually don't like the 11th and 12th figures that much, you know? Yeah, well, they're not as good as the um, as the classic ones, I don't think. They look, I mean, they all look a bit plasticky, but those two, I mean, I think the first Doctor's cool and I think the fourth Doctor's cool, but the other two just look, I don't know, really cheap. And I I wanted to buy all four because I was going to review them on my channel, but I actually just couldn't bring myself to to buy them. I thought, no, I'll just get these two. I think the seventh Doctor will look good when he's released. Oh, is he coming out? Yeah, I think that one will look good. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'll definitely get him. Um, But yeah, I know what you mean, though. They do look a bit, bit, slightly too basic compared to the other ones as well. The 12th Doctor mm. one in particular looks really mm. cheap. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I'm just sorry if anyone, I've just realised somebody out there might have got, sorry if you just bought them. I mean, I, you know, <laughs> yeah. It's a fair I, comment though. I know what you mean. Uh, yeah, yeah, I just, as I said, I just was quite surprised because that's the first time I've seen the real product, if you know what I mean. Because I, I haven't been to FP uh, at all this year because, uh, you know, I've been away and stuff. So it's the first time I've seen the real thing and I was just a bit like, no, I had planned to buy them all, but, yeah, not spending 40 quid on on that, you know. No chance. No chance. So, yeah, that was me, mate. And then, obviously, back to reality this week with work. One thing I did forget to mention was last week, and I'm, I wanted to ask you if you'd send this. Last week, me and um, Ad, the Ultimate Hoovian, we watched um, Dimensions in Time, because I met out with Ad, and he come back to mine, and he's like, you've never seen it? I was like, no, I have seen it, but it was when it went out. And I'm talking, like, what, what would that have been, the 90s? It was, you know, it's like... Doctor Who meets EastEnders, and yes, yeah, it was like a sort of was it a Children in Need thing? I think it was a yes, Children in Need, yeah, Children in Need. Yeah. So we watched that, and um, it's all on YouTube because it's never officially been released. Yeah, yeah, and I don't know when you last saw it, but I mean, I haven't watched it since it went out. And do you know what? It's so bad, but yeah, I absolutely loved it because <laughs> they've got everybody you could possibly imagine mm-hmm. in it. They've mm-hmm. got every old companion pretty much. They got all the old monsters. I mean, none of it makes sense. You've got Kato Mara in this weirdly dimly lit TARDIS with these doctors' heads floating around mm-hmm. her, which are models. It was just the most balmiest, crazy thing I've ever seen. I mean, it was just surreal. Um, so I watched that the, the other week, and I, I just meant to ask if you'd, if a, if you'd actually ever managed to see it, or or b, if you can remember it, because <laughs> if you haven't, you've got to go on YouTube and watch it. They're quite short. It's like two two parts. I think they're about five to ten minutes each. Um, mm-hmm. And the first one is introduced by Noel Edmonds because they showed it on. Do you remember the house party? That's right. Yeah. So it starts with John Pertwee John knocking Pertwee. on the, yeah. the house uh, crinkly bottoms door. Mm-hmm. Um, and he comes in and sort of introduces it and stuff. And it was, 
I don't know. I just found it a real treat. It was like stepping back in time to mm. a very bizarre <laughs> little production. You know, yeah, it is very weird. I remember seeing it a, a couple of years back, and then I watched. Funny you should mention that because somebody posted it on Twitter a few weeks back. I think it might have oh, been yeah. Adam actually. Probably. And yeah. uh, I watched it again then, and it's um, if if any Star Wars fans are listening, and you've ever heard of the Star Wars Christmas special. It's a bit like, it's a bit like that where, because the 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 Star Wars. Have you ever seen the Star Wars Christmas special? It's like this uh, very Not famous sure. um, sort of holiday American special that they did. Um, for it wasn't for any event. It was just something to put out at Christmas for Star Wars fans, and it had. Oh right, I don't think I've seen it. No, it was set around Chewbacca's family. So you had like the Wookiees, like the family, and it was so weird. I mean, and it, and it's known for being like the worst thing that, that you know it's ever been put out to do with Star yeah. Wars. And it's kind of like that where, like you said, it's really bad. You could tell that it wasn't, it, it didn't get like a proper full-on script treatment or anything like that. It was just cobbled together with these various scenes and stuff. And but in a way, like you said, it's although it's very bad and it doesn't really make a lot of sense, does it? It's a bit um. It's a bit weird, but it's a really good watch. I, I find it a really good, just fun little watch. It is a fun little watch. And yeah. I just, um, it, it couldn't get over, like, every time um, a companion come on, you know, be, it was just like one after the other. So you think they've got everybody you could think of. And then you've suddenly, like, Lala Ward will be hiding behind the car and Phil Mitchell's <laughs> um, lockup. And then suddenly, like, Richard Franklin drives in <laughs> on Bessie. And then, and then Nicholas Courtney appears in a helicopter. And, and then Deborah Watling's there. And it's just like, oh, my God, it's just got everybody. Bonnie Langford, mm-hmm. Sophie Audrey. And obviously all the doctors are in there. Well, Sylvester, Colin, Peter, John, and then Tom Baker's doing this sort of narration bit on it as well. So you've got all the doctors as well. I think it was a sort of, um, uh, well, actually, I was going to say unofficial, but in a way it was official, like 30th anniversary of the show yeah, as well. So yeah. they got all the doctors. Aboard. But if anybody hasn't seen it, as I said, it's, it's never been put on a DVD, which is kind of a shame. But I think there's probably licensing restrictions with the amount of you know all the monsters they've got in there but if anybody hasn't seen it it it's all on youtube and it's it's well worth having a look at um it's as i said it's so bad it's good it's just worth a watch it's yeah doctor who dimensions in time so i was very pleased that ad got me to watch it again because it has a reputation and i wasn't that keen um but i (laughs) believe loved it (laughs) yeah it's a fun little watch but it it won't it won't blow you away in terms of story plot or anything Uh, no well i still don't know what it was all about actually it's (laughs) it's weird i don't think it's meant to have any sort of deep meaning or anything i think it's just a you know let's mash up doctor who with eastenders for for children in need and you know we'll just base it loose around doctor who stuff that's it yeah it's cool though Oh, and there's also, there's some outtakes from it as well. Because, mm. you know, like YouTube throws up, or you may also like or whatever. Mm-hmm. So there's outtakes from it, which are actually quite long. They go on longer than the actual production. And um, John Pertwee's very, uh, he doesn't seem happy. Stern. Well, he's, yeah. he's, I think he's sort of saying, it's weird because it's a bit like when we were talking about that behind the scenes of Death of the Daleks or, yeah, Death of the Daleks. You know, you can tell that he knows what he's doing. So he's sort of saying to him, he's saying about the camera moving around and getting the line, and he's like, and she's got to run off. And you can see Pertwee seeing that how they're doing it, it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. And it's really weird because you'd be thinking the people behind the camera would be 
doing that. So you, there's a bit where he's getting quite cross, saying, "Well, you're not going to be able to see me, are you? Because you'll be moving around." And they're like, "Oh yeah," uh, and it's it's yeah, it's quite <laughs> interesting. And he does he does get a little tetchy, but yeah. you know, <laughs> and Davison um, being cheeky, Davison doesn't he says his line and you can see that he's just sort of laughing and they're like can you do it again a bit more serious and he does it but he's he can't help but grin yeah, yeah. they're like no more serious he's like oh okay you can <laughs> tell that he's just thinking what is this <laughs> you know yeah well that's davison isn't it because he did Dave's that in his uh, yeah in his final scene for caves when he's lying on the, the oh yeah the tardis floor and you know that scene with the other with the companions sort of swirling around him and yeah. then the master comes up die doctor so yeah. when they were filming that, he just had to lie there and stare up at the ceiling and sort of have this, you know, competitive look on his face. And but then he it's just went, put all this big grin at the end. And in in the commentary, he's like, "Well, I don't know why I grinned. Really, it's just it was, it, it's all just funny to me." That's right. It's because his yeah. last line was Adric, I think. Adric, that's it? right. So he's like Adric, and they're like a little bit more serious. Yeah. He's like <laughs> Adric. <laughs> oh crikey! Yeah, good stuff though. <laughs> so that's been me mate yeah who shot bit of dimensions in time doesn't get much better than that <laughs> that's cool it's um if any of our listeners that haven't been to the who shop yet it is a little bit out of the way as adam said it's over mm. in in uh upton park that's the closest tube station over in yeah yeah so i think from kind of central london if you're in that area it's probably about 20 minutes half an hour out on the tube i would say oh out, it li- yeah it's about upton half park, minute, yeah, yeah. But, you know, if you can get out there, it's a little treasure trove of because you've saying that you spent like a good two, maybe three hours in there. Oh, I've spent ages in there. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. It's exactly the same when I'm in there. It's because um, you go in and you don't really know where to start, really, because on the right hand side, they've got all the books and, you know, tons and tons of Doctor Who books, mm. magazines. And then you've got the, all these props littered everywhere. And then over to the left, you've got T-shirts and figures and or they've got massive audio CD range as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you don't really know where to start, and then you just you kind of get lost a little bit, don't you? You start looking at stuff, and, you and be, you've got to go yeah. in the museum. You, you can't, can't go and museum. not go in the museum because, as I said, it's a tiny little museum, and it's the back of the shop, and you walk through the TARDIS mm-hmm. to get into it. Um, and they, you know, they'll take your picture going into the TARDIS and stuff. And um, yeah, you've got to do the museum. And there's actually there's there's more in there than you realise because. Mm. The guy was pointing things out that I'd completely missed. And I was yep. thinking, how on earth did I not spot that there? Like, for example, John Nathan Turner's uh, Hawaiian shirt is hanging <laughs> on the wall. And somehow I didn't see it. And he's like, well, there's John's shirt as a little memory. And I was like, blimey. Yeah. You know, there is stuff everywhere in, in every little corner in that in that museum. Yeah. It's not yeah. that expensive to go in the museum either. Is it three pounds. Three quid or something. Yeah, yeah it's three pounds. Yeah. So if you yeah. can get it over there, it's a, it's a really cool, if you're a, I would say it's that the shop is geared more towards classic who, because yeah. although they do have a lot of, of modern doctor who stuff in there in terms of figures and, um, kitchenware and, you know, all that sort of merchandise that the BBC store puts out officially, they've got all that in there. But really, if you're into classic who, it's great to spend a bit of time in there and just hunt through all of the stuff that they've, it's, it's really, really good. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's well worth a visit. I actually can't wait to go back. Yeah. I, I, I want to go back in there. Yeah. But I must remember my big camera on the tripod with a big flash. <laughs> <laughs> with a big bold flash. Yeah. <laughs> you said it had to be a real camera. <laughs> <laughs> so that's you, mate. I've had a real quiet one in comparison. Mm. Yeah, oh, right. a real quiet one. I've done a bit of mulling over in terms of uh, yeah. this weekend, because as we said last week, you and I are off to the BFI this Sunday. Yeah, to watch uh, Day of the Doctor, which is really cool. 
But then I sort of threw a curveball in last week and found this really cool little kind of convention inside the Science Centre in Leicester where they've got um, McCoy, Colin Baker, Peter Davis and, and Paul McGann all on the Sunday. Yeah. And that just really excited me. And I, we, you know, we were mulling it over and, you know, uh, discussing it with some who peeps and then sort of weighing it up and thinking, well, because, you know, additional train ticket cost and then, you know, buying lunch and then paying for autographs and photos and stuff, it all adds up. And then kind of thinking, well, we've already paid for our tickets for the BFI as well. So, you know, it would be a very expensive sort of Sunday for more reasons than one. Yeah. So we've, we're going to stick with the BFI, aren't we? We're going to stay true to our to our ticket purchase there. Absolutely, man. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it was a, it was very tempting because the thought of getting a photo shoot with all of those all of those doctors on a you know really cool TARDIS set, which they they seem to have there. Um, yeah, certainly very tempting. And I know a lot of the guys I was with on Saturday um, had also bought tickets to the Day of the Doctor at BFI. They've actually decided to dump it to go to this as well. So I'm right. thinking, well, there might be a few empty seats, but but no, I'm actually I'm really looking forward. I said this to you um, when we finished recording last week, actually after we stopped recording. Um, I'm really looking forward to seeing Dale Doctor on the big screen because uh, I didn't see it on the big screen when it was aired. Um, me and you haven't reviewed it, mm-hmm. and we've both got quite strong opinions on it. Yes, yes. <laughs> and um, and I'm yeah, so I'm looking forward to to watching it again just to sort of get a a good opinion of it um, mm-hmm. in terms of what I really think, because I don't know what I really think um, because I've only watched it twice. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to seeing it again mm-hmm. and on the big screen. And then we yeah. can have a good old chat about it afterwards. And then at some point we will review it. And that's going to be quite the review, I think. It, oh, absolutely. Yes. Cause you and yeah. I have got, I think we've only, we haven't even really spoken about it too much. No, we have, no. we've had very strong opinions on that one. So. <laughs> yeah. So it's going to be a good old good old chat down the pub afterwards, I think, uh, after the BFI, which I'm really looking forward to. Yes, that's going to yeah. be good. Yeah. Um, yeah, so not much else, really. Um, I have been doing a bit of hunting on eBay for a couple of things, but nothing's popped up yet. I've cancelled the um, mm. the search for the special weapons, Dalek, because uh, I'm just holding out for the Robert Harrop um, Oh, that's going to be a beauty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, just... Uh, oh, I want to say a big thank you, actually, to, um, to just our general um, bunch of listeners. Uh, as it happens, have uh, been doing a bit of um, scouring through the, um, the the numbers, if you like, over the last couple of days. And we've, um, yeah, our, our numbers have grown a lot um, since Christmas, actually. Oh, right. So the few shows that we've done since Crimbo and uh, running up to Christmas, although it's sort of, it's fairly quiet because there's no new Doctor Who on the TV, we've actually ramped up quite a bit. So, um you know, our rankings are very high and our numbers are up and everything. So just want to say a big thank you really to everyone that's either sort of listened to us from the early days and, and stuck with us or um, new listeners that have jumped on board. It's really, really cool. And we've had a, a, a bunch of new reviews on iTunes as well, and they're all really nice. So just a, a really big thank you to, to all of you that, that listen either now and then or religiously every week. It's just amazing that you know, we we have a, a a really big listenership now, and you got it's just awesome because it'd be really stupid just you and I sitting here gassing away, <laughs> and nobody's listening. It'd be talking to nobody, yeah. talking be, to the cat, to the cat. Yeah, so that'd be really so. It's it's great. So just a, a big, 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 big thank you. 
Yeah, thanks, guy. That is that's really cool to know. Um, just before you move on to the before you land it, mate, you just mentioned the new doctor there. It just made me think. Did you see our new doctor on the National Television Awards last night? Indeed, yes. Jodie, yes, yeah. introducing an, a little award. I can work out. Did did she also did that? Did it win a award it itself for yep. the standout moment or something? Yes, it was of um, her unve- being unveiled. Um, as the new doctor. Yeah, was that? I think so. Yeah, well, it yeah. showed it, and it said something about TV moment of the year, and then it showed, you know, Jodie removing the hoodie and, yes. you know, revealing the 13th Doctor. And I was like, does that mean it's won an award, or are they just showing that? Award? So I wasn't too sure, but then she came on mm-hmm. the stage to present an award, and um, I bet, like me, you were hoping, because David Tennant <laughs> was nominated, so she read out his name. Um, oh, who else? Somebody else from Doctor Who? Ah, it might have been Jenna Coleman, I think, or something. Oh, yeah, for thinking, Victoria. Oh, I, yeah. hope, I really hope yeah. one of those wins because, uh, well, not Jenna because I don't like her, but I really hope David <laughs> Tennant wins because <laughs> uh, it would be really cool to see, like, Jodie and David on the same stage. Yay, but no, he didn't. Um, somebody else won. Oh, I can't even remember. <laughs> but it was really cool to see Jodie on stage and Bradley Walsh <laughs> was in the audience being mischievous as he always is. Yeah. Uh, and stuff. So I was thinking, oh, this is kind of our new TARDIS team already, mm-hmm. like, you know getting out there and doing the award shows and yeah it's very cool yeah it's cool and i think there was a a moment where i think chris chibnall won an award for something if i remember did he i must have missed that yeah and uh he saw jody because that was when she wasn't presenting she was just in the audience you know and yeah she sort of jumped up and she was clapping and things and then in the background you saw because the the moth was there I saw the moth yeah. next to Gatiss, yes. and he looked he looked a bit grumpy, didn't he? He, did, he sort of yeah. slumped in his seat. So when, when Chibnall won something, it might have been for Broadchurch, I can't remember. Oh, that. it was Broadchurch. Yeah, yeah, won something, yeah. So when, you know, sort of the, the, the applause went up and stuff, he just saw Moffat looking very kind of uh sheepish you know a couple of rows back thinking oh i did i did see that shot of him just he was just sort of slumped down and because mark sort of looked at the camera it was when sherlock was nominated i think right, um, right. and yeah it kind of he kind of just sort of shrugged didn't he the moth as if to say oh whatever thinking, <laughs> you know, yeah i was there one day yeah you know, one yeah. day many moons ago i was up there bagging awards for for stuff but it's interesting because um a couple of people have already been on on the socials to say that where's Doctor Who these days? Yeah. We're not even getting nominated for certain things now, let alone, you know, in a chance to win anything. It's uh I did think that myself actually. I said to my other half, I was like, this Doctor Who's not even on the nominations anymore. It's really sad. Like I can remember like, you know, at one point it would you you didn't even need to ask. You knew it was going to be on there. Even if it didn't win, you knew it'd be nominated. Um wasn't even on the on it at all um this year. I don't know if it was last year. I can't remember. Um, but yeah, and they got a lot of people picked up on that on Twitter, didn't they? Saying, mm-hmm. you know, bit of a sign of the times, isn't it? Yeah, we'll see. That may change. Hopefully, it will change yeah, now that we've got a, next a, you know a big. Uh, I don't want to use the word reboot, but it is like a a refresh, if you like, in in some respect. Rebranding, yeah, whatever, yeah, yeah. So hopefully, that sort of energise you know everybody and get who back into the um, not the public eye because it's very. Um, who's always in the public eye, but in terms of getting it in front of awards and, you know, because we should be bagging more awards, I would say. Yeah, absolutely. You know. Anyways, I think we've waffled for quite enough. Shall I think we, so. Should we land it? Yeah.
only one bit of news this week, and surprise, Sad. surprise, this seems to be par for the course for 2018. Um, which I'm hoping doesn't continue, but uh, we report some sad news. So um, Peter Wingard, who you may have known from a couple of things in the past, um, notably um, his portrayal of um, one of the... So he was in this kind of um, British crime uh, spy-ish kind of movie that was very famous back in the day, um, which kind of inspired the... Mike Myers and his Austin Powers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> kind of thing. Um, it was, that's uh, um, not a film, it's a, a TV series, um, Department S. And he played a character called Jason King. So it was this mm. very kind of Bee Gees shirt open medallion kind of uh, sort of womanizer kind of character, and um, uh, which was quite famous back at the time. Um, but then he also obviously went on to star in Doctor Who and. Um, the story Planet of Fire. Uh, mm. He played uh, uh, Timonov in Planet of Fire, which was, um, I'm not sure how you feel about Planet of Fire. It's a kind of, uh, I'm going to use this word again. It's a, it's an interesting story, that one. <laughs> That's like my, my get out clause because it's, it, you know, I'm not insinuating it's good or bad. It's It's interesting. Yeah, and also I was thinking we haven't reviewed it, so be careful. Exactly, yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that was his only involvement with Doctor Who, but um, the character mm. was was quite a, a like a liked character. You know, when the news first broke about um, uh, Peter passing away, there was a hell of a lot of um, tribute um, from Doctor Who fans on Twitter and Facebook. So, um, yeah. obviously a, like, a liked character from that story, but um, the Department S stuff was uh, was really very cool back in the day. Mm. Um, so yeah, just sad really. Um, uh, he does sort of pass away at the age of 90, but that's kind of, um, not confirmed because he was always a bit elusive about mm. his age and where he was from and, and all that stuff. So roughly the age of 90, Peter leaves us. Yeah. Yeah. The sad news. I, I never got to meet him. I know chatting to a few, uh, doc two friends when the news broke, um, who had got to meet him. He said he was very nice at conventions and stuff. Uh, I remember seeing him at one, uh, the Westminster F- Film Fair, which was, might have been last year or the year before. Um, but uh, yeah, sadly I didn't get to meet him. But yeah, um, Planet of Fire, we'll have to, we'll get round to reviewing that one day. But mm. Mm. Yeah, he was quite popular on the convention circuit for a while, I believe, because mm. he, uh, he quit acting um, at fairly, fairly early age, I suppose. And then, yeah, just... Uh, the whole convention thing. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Uh, so sad news. It is sad news. Um, so that's the only news we have. It's very quiet over the fields of Doctor Who news and fandom and so on. So we better get our metal friend in. Yeah, he can't wait. Look at him. Can't <laughs> wait to get in here. Merch corner. Merch corner. Merch corner. I don't know whether to be impressed or disgusted. It's a bit rubbish, but it's pretty. It's very pretty. Thank you for has that. He had his light, has he had his lights redone? They look like the. It looks like he's had the new the uh, Dalek invasion Earth mm. big lights on. I don't know. He's wheeled out. I was, I was, looks like he's had a little bit of work done. Yeah, I reckon he's been on Wheeler Dealer. <laughs> Wheeler Dealers. I don't know if you ever heard of that program. Oh, Wheeler Dealers. Yeah. If you're into cars over on Discovery, Mike Brewer of Mike Brewer Motors buys a car and then his mate in the garage does it up and sells it on. 
Sounds very familiar. Just looks a bit different, but he didn't stick around, did he? Yeah, because I remember going to put the Skybox on after he was watching TV the other day, and it was on Discovery. Ah, it's all so, adding uh, up. Yeah. Little bugger. <laughs> What's that? No. Back in the shed. <laughs> Can I have some Weetabix, honestly? Oh, he's terrible. God. He's already had three. Anyways, um, he has slammed down the tray over in Merch Corner, which contains a couple of interesting things here. Uh, the first one is, and I know you're a fan of these, Yeah, is the, um, the DVD range of the... Uh, it's called The Doctor's Range, and uh, it's the, insert Doctor name here, Years DVD. So in this case, uh, they're following on. We've now got the, the Sylvester McCoy Years on DVD Ooh. for real-time pictures. So... This is the guys that put all of the, um, they basically go through all the archives, don't they, and dig out a load of interview footage and yeah. know, a load of um, sort of um, making ofs kind of thing, if you like, from all the doctors. So a lot of their appearances and interviews and so on. And I think they last for quite a long time, don't they? Is it a they couple do. of hours worth yeah. Of, yeah. of stuff? So, com- so based on your previous editions that you've you've bagged, from these ones what are you looking are you going to order this one absolutely yeah, yeah. i mean a because i love the mccoy years but um but b they're, they're good values these because um i know it's the, the pre-order price on amazon's 14.99 on me i've never i've never paid more than a tenner for right. these if you know if you go into fop or hmv uh, and amazon normally lower the price when they actually get released anyway um so for a tenner you get two discs and you're right they're normally quite long interviews um and they normally are with people that you you know didn't get interviewed that much back in the day and stuff so there's normally some good little nuggets in there um and i've really enjoyed these mates so i've got they've done four so far so done you know the first four doctors so far uh it's interesting that they're jumping to mccoy Mm. i just naturally assumed davidson would be next but you know yeah but no they're good value the interviews i mean you know they're the quality does vary in terms of picture quality and stuff because they're quite old and sometimes some of them, um, but they're perfectly watchable um, and they're interesting. It's just, yeah, as I said, for a tenner, for two discs, you know, even if some of them are better than others, it's you can't really go wrong. Mm. They're really good. So, yeah, this is uh, this is good. I'm glad to see they're, they're carrying on the range and, um, and I'm very pleased that McCoy's next because, as I said, I like his era. So um, I'm wondering who they'll have on there. I'm thinking... And I don't know because we haven't got any details yet, but hopefully Kate O'Mara would be cool. Yes. Um, Sophie and Bonnie, I assume. Um, Sylvester himself, maybe. Uh, I don't know. But yeah, yeah, I'll definitely get this. It's actually not out till June, though. I was thinking, oh, is it? Is it soon? <laughs> oh, no, it's June. But yeah. um, anyway, it's good, good to see it's coming out. Yeah. Yeah. So I think this is, um, that's why we haven't got the cover um, artwork yet or any details because it's a few months away yet. However, like you said, I haven't, See, uh, it normally goes up for pre-order at fifteen quid, doesn't it? But it's normally a nine ninety nine by the time it's. Yeah, it, I've ne- as know. I said, I've never paid over a tenner for them. Yeah, yeah. I might have to start picking these up though, because a lot of people have said now that they are they're very interesting, good value. So, oh, they are. They're, hmm. they're definitely worth it. Yeah, you can't you can't go wrong uh, for a tenner. They're they're good good stuff. Cool. Yes. Uh, what else has he got for us then? Oh, a big finish release that's coming out in April. Uh, called the Tenth Doctor Chronicles, uh, which is going to be, I assume, a four CD set. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got uh, four stories on it. Um, now these ones, although it's got David Tennant very prominently on the cover, um, doesn't actually start David Tennant. It's going to be narrated by Jacob Dudman. It says on there, 
uh, most listeners will know him as Jake Dudman (laughs) from YouTube, who does a very good um, impersonation of of the 10th Doctor, I have to say. Uh, He's also very well known for doing the 11th Doctor and the 12th, I think. Yeah, he's very good at these. So he should be um, a good choice as a narrator. Uh, We've got four stories, as I said. Uh, The Taste of Death, uh, Backtrack, Wild... Oh, I misread that. Wild Pastures. Uh, I won't tell you what I thought it said. And uh, Last Chance are the four stories on here. So this is coming out in April. As I said, the pre-order price at the minute is £23. Um, I didn't buy the Ninth Doctor Chronicles because I listened to the trailer and thought uh, Nick Briggs is impersonation. Ninth Doctor just didn't do it for me. So I never picked that one up. Um, I'll be honest with you, mate. I probably won't get this one either. But I would imagine it'll be quite good you know i can imagine there's an audience for it um yeah you know what i mean but it's it's it's, when i say that i just mean it's just not for me i i don't really i've got so much big finish at the minute that i still need to listen to um and so yeah well i probably might pick it up somewhere down the line but not yeah not at the minute but it it does look okay it does look quite good it's got always got michelle ryan in it hasn't it i've just noticed on the cover there as well yeah coming back as uh Lady Christina D'Souza. D'Souza yeah, that's yeah. right, yeah. So Planet of the Dead. Oh, I, I don't like that story. Yeah, she was the kind of Lara Crofty, um, sort of Tomb Raider-y. Yeah. Th- jewel thief, mash-up-y kind of character. Um, yeah, but Jacqueline King's coming back as uh, Sylvia Noble. Yeah, so just noticed that, yeah. And we've yeah. got the Slovene as well on the cover. Mm-hmm. And, you know, good to see the Slovene. Yeah, I mean, I one of Planet of the Dead uh, is one of those stories I really don't, no, I'm just not a fan of. So again, that's another reason I'm not too yeah. keen to pick this straight up. But yeah, good to see Donna's mum on there. It's interesting. Mm. And uh, John Coulshaw starring as well in an undisclosed oh, role good. at the moment. So uh, obviously a man of a thousand voices. I'm sure yes. that'd be good. I won't pick this one up. I'm just be honest from the from the gate. It's um, I didn't pick up the Ninth Doctor one either because mm-hmm. I feel that if we if we haven't got the the actual actor. So in that case, we didn't have Chris Eccleston back, and then this one. So I understand the 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 idea behind it, though. It's um, it, it's told from the companion or you know the the uh, supporting cast members' point of view, mm. with just like little narration over the top, which is meant to be, you know, the Doctor. But I just don't feel like it should be a full price release. Yeah, I get you. From yeah. Big Finish, you know, because it's yeah. on, you know, the web special price that they do for pre-order, which is, as you said, 23 for physical and £20 for, for digital. I just don't feel like it should be priced at the same, uh, you know, level as if as the releases that do have the actual actors. So, you mm. know, a Megan release or a, a Tom Baker release at the same price. So, and I'm not, um, I'm not saying anything about the, what value is in there because people will see different value in different things. There might, like you said, there's probably an audience for this somewhere where, yeah, I'm sure there is. Yeah. They're just really into, you know, this era, this particular time period of tenants um, Mm. who, and they really enjoy this stuff. So, you know, that's awesome. But, you know, for me, it's just a case of, yeah, if this was like 15 pounds, then fair enough. And, you know, that's, you know, I'd probably get a flack for that because, it probably doesn't cost Big Finish any less to produce it. They still have to put the, you know, the resource in and, you know, the time to do it and all that stuff. So a bit of a tricky one from that perspective. But yeah, it's just not not for me. The same thing with the Ninth Doctor one. That wasn't, didn't sound that great either. 
Yeah, I think it's also because their output is so phenomenal at the minute that I kind of have to be a bit more picky and choosy as well. And, you know, again, a lot yes. of that comes back to price. So, you know, if, if they weren't putting out so much <laughs> and this was like, a, you know, a release coming out and I hadn't bought anything for a month from them or whatever, I, might, I probably would pick it up out of mm. interest. But it's because, you know, I've got all the Time War stuff going on. We've got the Master stuff going out. We've got <laughs> the First Doctor's Adventures, you know, the Fourth Doctor's Adventures box sets. Just coming. There's so much out there at the minute. I just have to be much more picky and choosy about the ones I get. So that's, yeah, that's the main reason. You know, like I said, it just adds up too much money otherwise. Um, yeah. And I've got all of those releases I just mentioned. I've I've got you know, and I've listened to one of them so far. Do you know what I mean? So I just can't be adding more to it. Um, I think, if anything, it's great they're putting out so much, but I, I sometimes wish they'd just rein it in a little bit, just a <laughs> tiny bit, um, just for the sake of everyone's wallets. But there we go. Yeah. Well, I, I do quite like what they're doing um, at the, the moment where they've announced um, the uh, the volumes for various yeah. Doctors. So the the recent one that they've done is the fourth Doctor so his series seven range that kicks off, they've got volume one, which is um, the first bunch of stories there. So I think yeah. that's a good idea because that's pretty good value. So for 25 quid or 20 quid for digital, you're getting, you know, the first bunch of stuff there and you've got it all then. So you can go through it when you want. You don't feel like you have to catch up and pay full price later on because you've missed it sort of thing. So yeah, I think they are doing a few things to make it easier for people to, to get it. But I do agree they're putting up so much stuff at the moment. We do have to be a bit more picky about what we're, we're buying. So I think, you know, rewind a few years, you know, this would have been a fairly, you know, a unique release in, mm. in the middle of a fairly regular, you know, range of stuff. So it would have been a bit more of an easier decision, but. Plus also yeah. they have managed to get tenant for two, yes. you know, um, for two big releases, uh, you know, I'm thinking of the box set. So what, f- six stories. Mm-hmm. So also you sort of think, so the, you know, we probably will get more with the doctor himself. Um, yeah. So again, that makes it slightly less appealing to me, uh, to have, well, you know, why would I want someone else playing him when there'll probably be some stories with the real thing, yeah. you know, coming up. So that's the other reason, but yeah. We need but, Eccleston said, though, don't we? Oh, wait. Oh. Oh, that man! He, uh, <laughs> I don't think he's going to come come to any time soon. Because no. his um his feelings towards you know what happened during the production of the TV show is one thing, but I think Big Finish handles things very differently. Mm. So I think he would be very well suited to Big Finish because you know he'd probably have a bit more accepted input into his doctor and stuff you know with the big finish guys years kept yeah. declining declining and then louise jameson eventually talked him into doing it and he absolutely loves it now and he and he you know genuinely if you talk to him about big finish he can't stop talking mm. about it. he really enjoys doing it and he he'll probably admit himself he wishes he'd done it ages ago but it's kind of i don't know it's probably getting him in that booth getting mm. into experience the lovely lunches that they always talk about on the <laughs> making of. You notice that every making of, they talk about the lovely lunches. Um, so yeah, maybe if they manage to get Chris in the booth one time, oh, come on, Chris, it's not that bad. <laughs> no, it can't no. be that bad. And I reckon they would sell like, you know, if they, if they got Eccleston, oh, in, if they got Eccleston they, and it, Billy. Yeah. yeah. Crikey. That, it would go mad. It would. There's an appetite for it for sure. Nick Briggs could go to the Bahamas. 
<laughs> we go to the Bahamas and, and yeah, for for a month. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. anyways, <laughs> review time. <laughs> While Adam's coughing his guts up, you can't hear. I've turned the mic off right and back. Let's do our classic review this week. Adam, hit me. Okay, so this week it's Ice Warriors, it's Sea Devils, it's the Fifth Doctor, it's Warriors of the Deep. You know him? Yes, I thought he'd been killed. Remove these people from the bridge. You do not recognize me now, but we are known to each other. You are mistaken. Take him away. No, wait, wait, please. In an earlier regeneration, you knew me as the Doctor. A Doctor? You can prove what you say? know that you are Iktar, surviving leader of the noble Silurian triad. When we last met, I tried to mediate between you and the people of Earth. So it is you. He's alive. The commander wasn't so lucky, I'm afraid. He's been shot. Did I succeed? Yes, Doctor. They're all dead, you know. There should have been another way. Warriors of the Deep. I think people are going to be screaming at me. I think I said Ice Warriors. (laughs) Did I? You know, in the intro, I think I said we've got ice warriors, we've got sea devils. Did you? Oh, uh, I think as as a uh, oh, I don't know if I did. I <laughs> meant Silurians. <laughs> <laughs> I may not have done. I don't know. I don't know what I said. It, I'll blame the cold. There's Drashigs. There's there's Daleks. <laughs> there's there's certainly something to rival a Drashig in this. That's for sure. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. But anyway, worries of the deep, mate. Go for worries <laughs> of the deep. It was. First broadcast back in 84 uh, in January. It's a four-parter. It was written by Johnny Byrne, uh, directed by Pennant Roberts, overseen by Eric Sawood. And uh, um, it stars the TARDIS team of the Fifth Doctor with Tegan and Turlow. And uh, they are... Um, it, it revolves around the story of two... Like the, the human race is divided into two giant factions, if you like. And um, the threat of nuclear war is very real. One of the one of the factions that this story is based around has got like this undersea sort of military base, which has got these nuclear weapons and so on. And um, the the Silurians plan to um, not wipe out the human race, but kind of uh, let them do it themselves. They they plan to overtake the base, set off the missiles towards the other faction, the other camp. And then they will retaliate and then there'll be a great war and the humans will be wiped. They'll wipe each other out and then the Silurians can can awaken their all of their kin and then live happily ever after on their now owned <laughs> planet Earth. Um, where uh, the Doctor sort of gets drafted in by um, uh, the, the TARDIS is... Um, it, I think originally they're heading for Earth anyway because the Doctor wants to show Tegan 
what Earth is like at some point in the future. <laughs> yeah. And um, it gets attacked by this, uh, this that space craft weapons thing. Um, and as the Doctor tries to, uh, to sort of do the off-ski, he ends up materialising right into um, Sea Base 4, which is this military installation, and uh, gets captured. And that's how he sort of gets, they get sort of crafted into the story, if you like. Um, and it sort of ends with a very depressing, very um, downbeat, very dark, depressing uh, way, really, like you just heard in the clip there. And uh, so, yeah, that's Warriors of the Deep. Uh, what do you reckon, mate, before we get into wow. some detail? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's funny, isn't it? Because um, I think somebody pointed out that I'd let slip on a podcast a while back that I, you know, the last time I watched this, uh, I didn't like it because I, <laughs> I did sort of do a, a mini review of it on my channel ages ago um, where I watched the whole box set and went through which ones I thought were good and bad. And, right. and uh, at the time I said, Oh, you know, I, I love this as a kid. I, I watched this when it went out. I was probably about seven or eight or something. I don't know. Um, so I, you know, I remember loving it as a kid. And then when the DVD came out, you know how some things just don't live up to your memory. And I watched it and thought, oh, this is so nowhere near as good as I remembered it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, it really didn't do anything for me at all. I was quite disappointed in it. And the production uh, problems really show big time in this story, um, you know? And yeah, it just it wasn't the fantastic story I remembered. So anyway, I watched this again last night thinking, oh dear, here we go. <laughs> Warriors of the Deep, let's do this. Um, now, I don't know if I was just in the, the right mood for it or what but putting the production uh problems issues aside i actually found this quite an enjoyable watch i actually really enjoyed watching it um <laughs> for lots of reasons there were bits of it that had me howling with laughter when they really shouldn't have um but i actually thought you know there is quite a decent story in there um if you once you get to it um, but it's just, yeah, it's just the production really, I think really lets it down. So my opinion of it's kind of gone, it's, it's more in the middle now. Okay. You know, when I watched it as a kid, I loved it. Rewatched it again as an adult, thought it was, you know, really didn't stand up very well. <laughs> watched it again last night and I've kind of gone in the middle of the, it, it, you know, it is let down, um, by a few things and, uh, we'll, we'll go into those. Um, a lot of them were, you know, you know, just, they couldn't be helped for mm. the time. Uh, but I actually really quite enjoyed watching this, mate. Uh, I have to I have to say, I, I just found it quite interesting uh, okay. this time round. Yeah, I've, I'm, and I'm glad I've rewatched it because I don't know that I would have after the last time. I don't know that it would have come out of the box set for a while. So right. um, I'm quite glad I gave it another chance because yeah, I thought it was all right. Yeah. What about you? Okay. Um, yeah, I think it's got some 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 decent. I think it's a decent enough story. Mm. It, it, it's this kind of uh, under siege um, uh, story plot, which we've seen many times on Who. But it works fairly well. My my only issue with it is it is plagued by production problems. You know, you can't it get is. away from that. Um, I think it because is. they there was something to do with didn't Maggie Thatcher back in the day call like an early election or something. Yeah, so so they needed studio space, yeah. um, which meant, um, yeah, the recording time I think was cut by two weeks. So they basically had two weeks less in the production to get it done, and yeah. everything was just a mad rush. No rehearsal yeah. time, and well, they were saying they really should have cancelled it the first, you know, one of the story and just gone to the next one or something. They said really to try and make this story in the time they were 
eventually given was mm. was madness um so yeah it, it did cause it did have a massive knock-on effect yeah. um in terms of getting this story made and also it launches you know this it launches series 21 it's you know it's the first story in the new series um bearing in mind we would have had the five doctors before this which you know, it was a massive celebration of the show, you mm-hmm. know, probably brought, brought back a few viewers that may have drifted and maybe some new viewers as well. So you've got the five doctors has gone out and then this kicks off the <laughs> new series. So it should really have been a, a belter to get people into been. it. And yeah. um, unfortunately, like you said, because of all these issues and the fact it was so rushed being made, um, it really shows on screen. And I mean, Doctor Who's known for like, you know, the odd wobbly set or, you know, the, the odd, you know, bits here and there. This one, like you said, is plagued mm. with issues, you know, and then, and they're not even very well hidden. No, um, it's not as if, no. it's not as if you have to be really eagle eyed to spot them. You know, <laughs> like there's, there's one bit where the, the Silurians walk down the corridor and their blimmin' masks haven't even been tucked in the back of the costume. They're just hanging out mm-hmm. off. It's, it, you know, and you, you think to yourself, well, God, you know that, that there's no way that should have been mm-hmm. put out there because it's not just one of them has got it hanging out. That, you know, the, they yeah. all have, yeah. <laughs> you know, things like that. And yeah, um, so it's a shame, really, because as I said, they were probably on a massive high after the uh, absolutely yeah five doctors, and then worries of the deep. Oh, <laughs> what the heck's this? Yeah, yeah. So I I, I like it, you know, in in certain respects, but I, I think for I mean, it does have an air of sort of foreboding about it as well because this was the story that the bbc controller at the time sort of made his mind up that he was going to can doctor who you know oh, yeah, yeah. so there's a bit of controversy around that as well where michael grade um any any anyone that's uh that's uh into their classic who will know that name very well but he was the guy that because he, he was just not a fan of doctor who anyway he, he just really didn't like it he thought it was this pathetic he wanted shot of it. Yeah, he was really, he really disliked it, mm. you know, massively. Um, but I think because of contract reasons, you know, they had to keep it going for a while. But it was this particular story. When he saw it, he just thought, I can't have this on the TV anymore. It, it's just got to <laughs> go. And it, I think he was the guy that fired Colin Baker as well, wasn't he? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. it's got a sort of foreboding because, like you say, it should have kicked off the new. After the Five Doctors, which was this big celebration, it should have kicked off and, you know, we should be using, well, I say we, they should have used that momentum to sort of carry it and, like you say, kick off with a belter and stuff. But, I mean, the, the two main problems I had with it is the, the production side of things is it is very poor, even for Doctor mm. Who, which you can account for with the time cut and, and that stuff. But also, I find it incredibly boring. Do that, you? That's my okay. other thing. Yeah, I find mm. this one a real struggle to watch through. So halfway through episode two, I'm browsing Twitter, Instagram. Right. You know, the whole. Right. I just find. I just can't. I just can't stay with it. I have to really mentally sort of tell myself, nope, carry on watching, carry on watching. Um, yeah, so I find it very boring. It's funny that because I was like that the last time I watched it. I, I mean, I really was. I found it quite boring. Um, and like you said, just checking my phone. And I don't know something about it this time. Um, I just connected with it a bit more. I hmm. think one of the things that surprised me about it was um, how 
on the ball Davison is in it. He's excellent in this. He's pretty good, actually. Yeah. Um, and he gets involved in a bit of a ruckus and seems to be enjoying it, which is, you know, you know, the fifth doctor was, yeah, he wasn't always the first one to get in there with the fisticuffs. So that's quite interesting. But mm. he seems to have a bit of um, fire in his belly in this story, which uh, I thought helped to... Uh, to make it more watchable. Um, right. And right. Mark Strickson, you know, seems to really love the fact he gets to be a bit laddish and, you know, go around with his gun and stuff. And, um, and I, I mean, it sh- you're right. It, it, it should have been a lot better. I mean, you've got the Silurians and the sea devils in one story and, you know, that should have in itself make it, you know, better than it, it mm-hmm. than what we get on screen. Um, the problem is with them is that, you know, they've had a bit of a makeover, haven't they? And, while I while mm. I quite like quite like the Silurian makeover, apart from the flashing eye. Yeah, what's that about? Yeah. Well, that's weird because in the original it was a sort of ray gun or something, wasn't it? Yeah, and this right. one, it's yeah. just flashing to let you know which one's talking. So that's a bit of a shame. But but I think the mask and that actually looks pretty cool in the in the design. Mm-hmm. And whereas the Sea Devils seem to, I don't know, I miss the string vest really because <laughs> right. they've yeah. gone for a sort of samurai look. Um, and they might not be so bad, except that when they finally get some action, they really just, I mean, they clearly just can't see out of the costume. Of course not, no. Because they look about as threatening as a, you know, threatening as a, as a wall plant walking down. There. They just, you know, they just look ridiculous <laughs> shuffling down the corridor with these toilet duck guns. And, you know, <laughs> there's no threat whatsoever from either of them, really. No. Um, and then, of course, they bring in the big guy. I mean, we may as well mention him the murka <laughs> yeah uh, who's supposed Moses. to be the even bigger threat and yeah i mean you know again coming back to the production issues the the poor guy had only finished being painted an hour or so before or something so all the actors where they start fighting with it end up with green paint all over their costumes and stuff if you look carefully um yeah and, the, and apparently the actors didn't even get to rehearse in it they were like literally the costumes just been finished getting it we're going to shoot in you know we've got an hour till we film and they're like what you know yeah yeah just get in it and apparently it was very uncomfortable smell of paint and glue because it's literally just been finished so the actors inside are you know <laughs> feeling sick from all the you know the toxic smells and i mean it just is a nightmare really and it really shows on screen i mean the bit when it's pushing down the polystyrene door (laughs) is just laughable. It's the sort of thing you don't want anybody who, you know, who knows that you love Doctor Who to see. It's the sort of thing that if you, you know, if your mate walked in and says, oh, you're watching Doctor Who? You you just wouldn't want them to see that bit because they would be like, oh my God, it's so bad. You know, and especially when, I mean, bless him, Davison doing his best to make it look heavy when he's trying to lift it off Tegan's leg. (laughs) Um, you know, oh, things like that. I mean, it is a struggle. I've, I've, I will agree with you. It is a struggle. Um, but for some reason, I, I kind of went with it a bit more okay. on this watch. But yeah, uh, yeah I, do, I do know what you mean. It's, uh, <laughs> it's a bit hard going. <laughs> yeah. And it's, um, it's not from a, that bad a box set either. So the box that you were referring to beneath the surface, it's got the three stories. So it's got Doctor Who and the Silurians, the Sea Devils, and then this one. Mm. So, um, yeah, it's not from a bad box set, really. No, it's a great set. And actually, mm. Silurians is another one that, you know, sometimes I'll watch it and I find it quite boring. Other times I'll watch it and I really love it. Um, and I'd probably put this in the same camp, really, because Sea Devils I absolutely love. I love mm. the Sea Devils. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, those, you know, the two before and after, I always maybe I just have to be in the right mood for it. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Um, 
So I think this review, unfortunately, it will be a bit of a a bit of a bashing. I think um, for some things, um, yeah. I, I, and and to me as well, I'm, I wasn't particularly happy with the direction as well from Pennant Roberts. It was um, it felt to me like when Davison and Tegan and you know those guys were. That doesn't make sense. Davison and Tegan. <laughs> I when always do. The Fifth Doctor and Tegan and Turlow were on screen. It felt like that the energy was ramped up a little bit more. So yeah. maybe that was, you know, a large part of that was down to the actors themselves, um, you know, trying to bring a bit more energy to what was going on. But I found that all the other scenes with the supporting cast, so the humans that were, you know, managing this base, and when the Sea Devils and the Silurians were sort of, having conversation and just, you know, moving between sets, everything moves so slowly. You know, the pacing mm. is, is just, it's, it's really hard to stay engaged, even in just one scene. You know, sometimes it happens where you've got like a, so as an example, in some episodes, you might have like a block of stuff going on where people are going from A to B and they're on, you know, a couple of different sets or an outside shoot and so on. Mm. And you think, okay, this whole section, you know, you know, could have, could have been sped up a little bit and, you know, but with this one, even just one scene, like at the very beginning, like when the, the, um, uh, Vorshak is, you know, saying we need to do a missile test and so on, you know, even just the way that the camera moves just so slowly, you know, and then they sort of, somebody walks over to a control panel and they're, the finger just moves so slowly to the button and push, you know, the whole thing just seems really labored, you know, and it's one of those times where I've said this about quite a few classic stories where you just wish that somebody would just run onto the set and fire a gun up in the air, make everybody jump, you know, and get their heart rate up a little bit, you know, and everyone just starts to, you know, just get going a little bit, you know, and just yeah. bring a little bit of, of, of just gumption to, to what's going on because, Right, I mean, that's right from the off. So mm. the first scene, it's just, that sets up the story. It's like, oh, crikey. This it is, is going to be a flat. long one. Yeah. <laughs> I, will, I, will, I will agree with you about the direction. I think the direction could have been a lot better. Um, um, it is, yeah, it is a bit laboured. And also, we're in, we've pretty much got that one style of set throughout the whole story, haven't yeah, we? Yeah. Uh, which I suppose doesn't help because it's just that white set, which apparently they had to keep they sort of built it so they could use it for, you know, to make multiple sets from. So a bit like a Meccano kit. So again, that didn't help because every time they've sort of filmed one bit, like the corridor, they'd say, right, right, well, we need that bit for the control room now and had to keep moving bits of the set round to make the next sort of set. And I mean, it must have just driven the, you know, the, the director up the wall, I should imagine, especially with the time constraints because some of them, you know, like they only had one take to do it <laughs> and then that just had to do. Um, but yeah, I guess that doesn't help because you've just got this, you know, very brightly lit white set for the majority of the story. There isn't much else apart from the no, Sea Devil spaceship no. um, in terms. So it does feel a bit, it does feel like one long <laughs> story and, you know, very, what's the word I'm looking for? Very, um, all in that one place. It's very isolated. Isolated. It? Yeah. 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 I read you, man. It's, um, mm. yeah, it's just bloody boring. That's the only mm -hmm. way I can, I mean, don't get me wrong. There's probably people that do love this, you know, and a few of our listeners who have sent in reviews, you know, would, would argue with what I'm saying, which is fair enough. But, um, uh, and also there are just scenes where 
they just go on for too long. Like there's a scene where um, Iktar sends the sea devils off to go and capture the escaped prisoner. So Davison has been locked up with one of the other uh, people with an Antigon and Turloa, you know, they're escaping and so on. And um, he finds out that they've escaped, so he sends them off. And instead of just cutting there, because you assume that, you know, the sea devils would go off and, you know, try and capture them again, the camera just stays there while these poor people in the in the sea devil suits sort of very awkwardly oh, do shuffle. like a, like a yeah. 180 to turn around and then they all shuffle out and they're banging into each other. But yeah, they all, do actually yeah. look into each other, yeah. And they're all moving so slowly. But the camera just stays there. It's yeah. like, you know, we don't need to see them, you know, awkwardly tripping up all over each other and going off. We know that they're going off to try and capture them. You know, yeah. there are just lots of scenes like that where, the cat, you know, they could have cut and gone to the next one and that would have helped with the pacing a little bit. So, I mean, it's in, in a way, it's kind of classic who at its best, if you like, <laughs> because, you know, it does fall under that, that sort of banner that we've we've spoke about many many times where mm. this went out once a week so it probably wouldn't have been too much of an issue but when you're watching as, as i did last night all four parts back to back yeah you know it does feel like a slog because you just I, think just cut the bloody scene we know what they're doing <laughs> just go to the next one I, I watched it two and two actually maybe right. i don't know if that helped but yeah i probably would have struggled if i'd watched it all four in one go um yeah i watched two monday and two tuesday okay. um you must have liked the scene where davison has the old good old punch up though and ends up getting pushed in the water tank that's cool that bit yeah. oh that's a, that's yeah. a good bit isn't it yeah and the music's good as well ding, 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 you know the old <laughs> i i tell you what though it did make me laugh turlo's very quick to leave him isn't he Oh, crikey. Like, he's very quick to assume he's dead. He's only been pushed in the water tank. He's like, come on, he's dead. He's drowned. He's like, Tegan's like, leave we, him. We got to help him. We got to <laughs> get him out of here. And like, Tegan, uh, Turlo's like, he's off. He's he's just ready to jump in the TARDIS and see you later. There's another bit when he does it as well, isn't there? There's another bit where he says, oh, come on. There's no, we can't help him. Let's Let's go. <laughs> and she's like you can't do that that's he's right he's, he's, just, he's a very naughty and Tegan she reminds him of it as well yeah like when they bump into the doctor because Turlo assumes that they've oh, been killed oh I love killed. that bit they bump yeah. into him and uh, she grasses him up she lands him right in it she doesn't yeah. let it go yeah yeah he's, um, he's not impressed is he <laughs> not at all but I I found that actually quite funny yeah I did because uh, there is a little bit because the the opening scene of the doctor that we see which is sort of turlo you know he's got himself dressed and he's walking onto the the console set and mm. they have like a kind of strange exchange really because you know the doctor's like oh you've decided to stick around sort of thing and he's like yeah you know time will tell sort of thing there's there's mm. never that kind of yeah, yeah i'm glad i'm great to be here you know <laughs> turlo's just like mm, well time will tell if i still be here you know in a, in a little while and then like we've been saying further on, Turlow's just ready to drop his gun and leg it. And uh, I'm not sure where he's going to go. He can't pilot the TARDIS, but, and they're underwater. So I've no idea where he think, thought he was going, but. I'll tell you what, they wouldn't have any trouble getting in the TARDIS, do they? Because that was one bit that annoyed me. They just leave the <laughs> yeah. blimmin' door open. Oh, They've been course, threatened, yeah. shot yeah. at, goodness knows what else. But they just leave the TARDIS door open for him to go in. Like that scene where she just walks in and, uh, you know, the, the, the sea base crew i mean they just oh, walk yeah, in the yeah. tardis the blimmin doors open which is ridiculous but um no <laughs> i do like that scene though between the doctor and turlo right at the start because uh -huh. it's um 
I just love the way Davison plays it because he's like really distrusting of Turlow, which yes. is understandable because he's tried to kill him about 20 times. <laughs> um, <laughs> all the Black Guardian stuff yeah. that went on yeah. the previous series or whatever. Um, so that's quite nice, isn't it? It's quite good, that little scene, because you can just see that Davison's doctor's mm. yeah, thinking, I've got my eye on you, mate. <laughs> you you know, we'll see. Uh, so that's quite cool. Yeah, because <laughs> when Turlow says that, he's like, it's only time will tell. Yeah. And Davison's reply as well. In the TARDIS, that normally... It always it, does. Yeah, something like that. So, yeah, yeah that's a nice little scene. And mm. and then we have that really cool bit where Tegan comes out with that horrific 80s uh, shirt on. Oh, I know. She was worried about getting green paint down it from the Merc. <laughs> I was thinking, no one's going to tell in that. It would have done you a favour. Yeah. And uh, so she comes out and um, we have that. That's what I mean by the direction. So when... The, the principal cast are there. We do have some cool stuff. So they like, put this really cool filter over the tar, this, uh, over the camera and they tilt it around and, you know. Oh, they do that a lot, don't they? But they, yeah, they don't normally put the filter, which does help, but hmm. they always do that with, with Davidson's era, don't they? They, nearly every yeah. episode, the blooming TARDIS, the camera tilts and they're clinging onto the console and it gets a bit, yeah. bit much, actually. But at least they try to do something different. That's what I mean, yeah. So when the yeah. principal cast are on, they do try these things and, yeah. you know, it does look good. Um, but then unfortunately we don't really see much else. I think the only sort of bit of exciting sort of camera work and directing that we see is when Davison drops into the water, Yeah, which is quite cool. We rarely see any underwater stuff, um, in, in classic who do we rarely see the actors actually underwater being filmed? No. And it's actually, um, it's, I mean, I think for most of the time it's it's clearly him as well because mm. we get a good close-up of davison actually in the water yeah. uh, it's a good stun actually when matey back flips into it yeah. so it's done really well mm. and it matches really well like you could you could believe it's davison it's not like an obvious well that you know you don't look at it going oh well that's clearly <laughs> not davison it's a good matchup for him so yeah that yeah. scene works pretty well i think i again i loved it as a kid loved seeing the doctor <laughs> like you know getting yeah, I didn't know where it was going as a kid. I was like, oh my God, how's he going to get out? Yeah, because that's a cliffhanger, isn't it? For, yeah, um, cliffhanger. And then we have the fight scene, well, the mini fight scene later on, where Davison does throw a, a little elbow here and a throw there. He gets stuck in he in does. this one. I liked that, yeah. yeah. And then other than that, the only other sort of things that we see really, even then the direction's not very good, is like the Star Wars-esque. So you know at the beginning of A New Hope, where Darth Vader and all the storm, where the, all the stormtroopers board the uh, Yavin Four, and we got the rebels there and have that shootout yeah. in the corridor. It's basically that where that you know the the humans are sort of sh- having a shootout with the sea mon- uh, sea monsters with the sea devils. Yeah. Um, so basically, that in the corridors and stuff, which you know, you'd come that to scene is from. really badly done. But it's, when, it's really bad. When they're coming through back, the doors, do you mean with the Merc? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When they the sort of yeah, when they sort of come through and start having a gun battle, um, uh, yeah. Because I was thinking back to um, Resurrection of the Daleks. You know, when they similar scene, the, the door blows up and then the Daleks come through and start obliterating. Oh, yeah, yeah. And they have a gunfire. Reminds me of that, but mm. this is, you know, this is nowhere near as good. Because <laughs> I don't know if it's just because they're shuffling along or the way it's shot or the fact that they're just lining up to be shot or. It's just really poor. There's no tension <laughs> at all in the scene. No. Um, I don't know what. Yeah, I don't know what it is about that. Thing is, what do you think of like the the redesign? There? I mean, the Sea Devils, the voices are brilliant. They sound scary. They sound good. Yeah, 
but they just don't look or move scarily. Like you can just tell that they can't move in those blooming costumes. I mean, you could literally, it's a bit like the murky. You could run away from it. People are literally throwing themselves into it and being killed. And it, it looks ridiculous on screen. Like, mm. you know, the murk is so clumsy and clearly can't see where it's going, but you could just run away from it. It's, you know, there's, again, it's just no threat from, from any of the sort of bad guys. Well, they're, actually they're not bad guys, are they? But you know what I mean? The sea devils. And- yeah. Valerians and all that. Um, I th- it's an interesting one because I th- I've got mm. two theories on this. The first one is that, well, th- this is like it falls under the, the the whole thing of both the Silurians and the Sea Devils just not being a decent threat. Mm. Um, and the Sea Devils specifically is because one, the, the, the costumes aren't very good. And I, I mean that in terms of how they look. I much prefer how they look in the Sea Devil story. Yeah. Um they look really cool in that. Um and um so uh, and because of the the costume that the actors really struggle so they move incredibly slowly and they can't really see what they're doing. So they just look very clumsy, you know, there's no threat there. But I also I'm not really a fan of like the the helmet, the samurai looking yeah helmet and stuff doesn't really fit. Um and second of all, the Silurians obviously you know, are in charge of the sea devils. So that immediately relegates them down to sort of subservient, mm, subservient yeah, sort of, you know. Yeah. So yeah. In, in the sea devils, it was just them. So they were quite threatening in that and they looked quite good. And uh, in this one, they're just being told what to do. They're almost like the stormtroopers of, I've mentioned Star Wars loads in this show, I'm sorry, but, mm. they, you know, they're just like the stormtroopers of, you know, this the Iktar, the main Silurian, he's like Darth Vader in A New Hope, and the Sea Devils are just all of the, you know, dispensable stormtroopers that just you know just get sent in to get gunned down if need be, and so that's my theory. You know, they get relegated to this sort of second class status underneath the Silurians, so they're just mm. cannon fodder, if you like. Yeah, a little bit, isn't it? Yeah, I too, I see what you mean. Yeah, I was gonna say because it's weird, isn't it? Because um, you'd think having these two together at last should be an almighty force. Um, but because they move at a snail's pace, they're actually almost, yeah, like you said, um, you know, they sort of almost takes away from the great greatness of the, of the creation because they are brilliant in their separate stories. I like both of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, yeah, in this, there's kind of, yeah, um, not demeaned, what's the word? But yeah, they kind of, yeah, they're nowhere near as good and they should be twice as good. They should be because these mm. particular group of sea devils, there's like um, a sort of unique group, aren't they? They're known as the mm. sea devil warriors and mm. they've got slightly, slightly different skin as well. So the original sea yeah. devils were like this uh, brownie, slimy color, whereas these guys have got this silver um, look about them and I think they're slightly taller as well so they've mm-hmm. you know they should be these real badass kind of you know threatening you know uh, sort of race of, of creatures that the humans would be petrified of but they just don't convey that in the story you know they're just these servants really and whereas I like the sea devil's voices I don't really like the Silurians voices very much <laughs> um and it is a shame about the light as well because it makes it's very tacky, isn't it? Having that flashing light. I know why they did it. I know they had to because the mouth doesn't move. Um, but it is a bit tacky, isn't it? Having a, a flashing bulb because they're you know they're reptilian, yeah. aren't they? So you do, it seems weird to have an electronic thing built into the head um, as well. Yeah. Mm. So 
I think, I mean, it's, it's a shame, really, because I know we, I did say this at the beginning. This would probably be a fairly negative review, so I'm very, I, I do apologise. I mean, we'll come on to some good stuff in a minute, but just in terms of the 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 monsters or the baddies or the villains used in this story, once again, it could have been a belter of a story, but it ended up being, from a monster point of view, again, just very, like the direction, just very flat. Mm. Because the, the speed at which these guys move and the clumsiness of it, they should have been, ta- the humans in there should have taken them out in like 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. They, should, they should have been gone, you know. Because all they've got is these strange little sort of very bad plumbing u-bend kind of little pistol things i was gonna say remind me of like a a toilet duct gun (laughs) if any of our friends especially in uh, the us or other countries don't know what we mean you can buy these this toilet cleaner here in the uk called toilet duck and it's got a standard bottle but it's got like a sort of swan neck s-bend kind of top bit of it that goes underneath the bowl and they look exactly like that they they? do look like that Yeah, yeah it's it's a bit weird really Mm. Um, it which just adds to the comic clumsiness of it, which again just takes the threat level down by another notch. Yeah. Because they're very slow to fire as well. Like when the sea devils come across somebody, you know, they don't do anything for a good sort of minute. And then they hold the gun up and then the light comes on around the disc first. And then, oh, yeah. Then, and then, like stormtroopers, they normally miss. So there's this big shootout and they're just firing at the walls and the ceiling. And one of them also fires his own, comes to his own death where he fires the, um, at the gas, at the canister that's got oh, the, yeah. um, <laughs> what's the name of the gas inside it? It's the, um, oh, I can't remember, but you mean when he melts the, his face melts. <laughs> yeah. So he's having a good old shootout and because he's such a rubbish shot, he ends up shooting the, the canister and it blows back in his face and that's him done. Yeah, so it's like, I, mean, I remember thinking that was quite gruesome as a kid, and then you watch it now, and it's like, oh. <laughs> I'll tell you, there were bits in this that made me laugh that weren't supposed to, and then there was a couple of scenes that were supposed to be funny that didn't make me laugh, and there's one bit which is ridiculous, and I'm assuming in the script it probably worked well, but maybe the set design didn't get the memo. <laughs> but there's a bit where the Doctor and Turlo are trying to open the door the wrong way, and then Tegan just pushes it open and says, there you go. But I was thinking... You can clearly see that you just pull the handle and the door, uh, you probably right. may have been looking at your right. phone and you probably might have switched off by that point. But I don't know if you know, remember that scene. I it's do. just the I Dr. Taylor yeah. sort of pushing the door. Oh, why would it open? And she just pushes it the other way Yeah. and yeah. says, there you go. And I'm thinking, what? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm sure it wasn't supposed to look like that in the design. But yeah. yeah. But I did like our TARDIS team, though, in this. I think that's one of the, you know, going with a positive, that's one of the things I really enjoyed uh, rewatching this was I I liked our TARDIS team. This I thought Davison was really good in it, and mm-hmm. you know um, Tegan. Well, she doesn't get a lot to do, but she's still good in the scenes. I love it when she grasses up Turlo, and Turlo gets to do some good action stuff. And I thought so. I, I, I did enjoy our TARDIS team. This is good interaction between them as well yeah. in the scenes that they're in. Like you said, they kind of you're probably like you know when you're looking at your phone. If they come on, if there's a scene with them, you were probably watching. And then, like you said, <laughs> as soon as we get back to like the regular cast, uh, the sorry, the supporting cast, mm. you know that's probably when you were switching off. Yeah, which is understandable. But yeah, I read. No, let's talk about some good stuff actually, because it, yeah. it's not all bad. Not at all. Um, so like you, I really do like this TARDIS team because although we had, although Davison has had a fairly crowded TARDIS team at some point, we've had Nissa and Adric and some other people. I do quite like this um, 
uh, Tegan and Turlo. Because mm. it does provide a good contrast because sometimes Tegan and Nissa were quite similar. Not in terms of their character, but they would sort of, you know, sort of gang together a little bit and, you know, they were sort of best buds, if you like. Yeah. You know, because they were obviously very sad when, when Nissa left. Whereas Turlo just provides that good contrast to Tegan because there are, um, I, th- I think one of the stories actually from the from the Black Guardian trilogy where Tegan's all over Turlo. She doesn't trust him. Like, at yeah, all. that's right. You know, so and also in this story as well, where you know, Turlo is very quick to just dump, you know, <laughs> any kind of optimism that the doctor's alive and ready to do one. You know, and she's like, no, you know, she's very unhappy about it. So I think those two sort of knock off each other very well. You know, they're not very similar characters. So it's good to have that contrast within the yeah. this TARDIS team. I was going to say, they are a good contrast, aren't they? Because, like, Tegan's no-nonsense, she'll speak her mind. And Turlo's really shifty, and you just don't know <laughs> whether you can trust him. Crafty. So that makes her a really good... Co- crafty. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so that makes her a good combination, actually. Yeah. And also, it can be quite a humorous one as well. They use it to good humorous effect, I think, yeah. uh, at times. Yeah. Absolutely. So that, that's yeah. really cool. And like you said before, Davison is really trying to make this more of a you know, make this more of the story mm. because, and we've said this many, many times about some of the Matt Smith stories and where they could obviously tell, but anyone that's seen the behind the scenes uh, documentary on the, the DVD of this, or if you've listened to the commentary with Davison and Eric Sayward and so on, the, even the people making it and Davison himself will say that they're all really disappointed with how, you know, the direction was and the, you know, the final product and so on. Yeah. So in a bit like, in a similar respect to Black Orchid, I suppose, you could tell that although Davison wasn't really impressed with the script and the story too much, at least he's sort of given it his all Mm. to try and make it as good as it can be. And that's really evident in this story because there are a few scenes where he's really going for it. Like um, uh, the the scene where he he sinks in with the the computer to sort of halt the missile launch at the end. Mm. You know, he's he's really sort of intense there. It's a bit like in caves where the spaceship's crashing down and he's tied up and, you know, it reminds me of that where he sort of goes really intense and stuff. And at the Mm. very last scene, you can tell he's really cut up about it because a few scenes prior to that, um, one of the um, members of the the base, I can't remember her name, Karina possibly, she, um, she basically says to the doctor, you know, let's use this. Oh, hexachromite gas, that's what it's called. Uh, yes. She's like, Let, let's use this against them. Let's wipe them out. And the doctor's immediately like, no, you know, we're not going to, mm. no genocide. We know there's another way. And um, uh, I think it's Turlo that says, you know, he, he says to the doctor, you know, they're about to wipe out human. You know, the human race is about to be obliterated, mm. which sort of changes his mind reluctantly. So, you know, he's he's got that emotional side as well. You know, he's very cut up about it. And especially when, the last scene that you heard in the clip where he sees the dead Silurians and the sea uh, devils littered around the set, you know, it's really cut him up. You know, he's not yeah. happy that he's had to make that, that decision. Mm. No, I like, I, I thought he was very good. In it. I thought we started sort of seeing the slightly no more darker, you know, fifth doctor that we, we start to see really in, caves his last story you know we always think you know oh, if only he'd done another series because he's really sort of found uh, a great you know persona as the doctor by then um and i think we see a bit of that in this because he's not as light and fluffy 
as he is, you know, in his mm-hmm. first series. If you know what I mean, he's really like, like when he's arguing with, uh, you know, the, the, the captain of the base, whether his name is, you know, um, is, is it Volshark or I'm not sure? But you know, when Volshark, they, when there's, there's a lot, of, yeah. there's a lot of tension, isn't there, between the, the people on the base and the doctor and the doctor trying to convince them that they're actually trying to help them, yeah. which makes for, you know, an interesting story in itself. So that adds That's another cool. element yeah. to it. Um, but I just thought he was good at that because he was he was a bit more no nonsense fifth doctor rather than the sort of pushover a bit light fifth doctor that we got in his first series. So mm. I liked that from Davison. Like you said, he looks absolutely battered <laughs> by yeah. the end of the story. Yeah. Um, and also it's good to see him in a different costume because he kind of ends up in one of the sea bases outfits for a while, doesn't he? And That's it's right. just it's yeah. again it just kind of it's more interesting to see him. You know, mm. not in his regular costume as well. It adds another element. A bit like when we get the Tenth Doctor in the spacesuit. You know, the first time they did it was quite interesting. Unfortunately, they did it about twenty times after that. But <laughs> you know, what I mean, it's always good to see them in a slightly different yeah. costume, just to make it different. Yeah, that but no, I, I just yeah. thought he was particularly good in it. Re- rewatching it again, I thought you, you're right. He is he is going for it. He's really trying to make something. He's trying to put a bit of effort in. And like you said, his performance is you know, uh, up another notch from, I have to say, the supporting cast who kind of seem to be just playing it by numbers a little bit. I mean, there's, they're not bad. Um, we've seen a lot worse, but, you know, they don't stand out either as being particularly good, especially who's the, uh, is it um, Ingrid Pitt? Yeah, it must be, who uh, does the karate chop on the Merca. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that... Yeah. I really like cringed um, at that scene. Uh, I mean, it's just ridiculous. Um, but you know, the, the supporting cast are not too bad. You know, the yeah. the, the the main guy's all right. The Borshak, Tom, uh, Tom Adams. Is he is he the sort of the like leader guy? Yeah. yeah, he's not too. Who is it? Because it took me a while to work out what was going on. There's two. There's two people trying to sabotage the base. as one of them. So you got Ing- Ingrid Pitt's character Solo, Solo and then yeah. another guy. Uh, I think that's Bullock. Is that Nigel Humphreys? Could be. Yeah. yeah. Um, who are trying to uh, sort of sabotage the base as well. So they got another element coming into the story, hmm. which didn't seem to go anywhere, but it did It did add, you know, something enough to keep me interested, if you like. Yeah, I think that was... So those two people were trying to um, brainwash, um, I think, the character Maddox. So this It's guy, Maddox, yeah. Yeah, so he was... The, the guy that was meant to be the sink person because it's that, that was another good thing. It was a clever idea where I liked that because yeah. like the, because it was like a, a nuclear threat, if you like, it couldn't be just as simple as pushing a button and all the missiles go. So they had this clever idea where you'd go through all the protocols as you normally would do with these things in science fiction. But then there was a, there had to be a, a, an actual person that could act as a sink with the computer to either allow or cancel the launch. Yeah. Which is really yeah. cool. So it's a nice idea. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the, I think in the story, the character that was meant to be the sink had died mysteriously mm. before the mission. And so this, this character Maddox played by Martin Neal was, um, sort of drafted in, but he's very inexperienced and he's always sweating and he's, he, you know, he's just not confident in, in what's going on. So that was a good sort of little side plot. And I think the idea of sort of, alter you know putting this disc in and altering his brain and you know put him under sort of mind control was quite clever um but yeah like you said it just didn't quite go anywhere within the story it sort of it sort of ended abruptly with um because i think maddox kills um is it karina the um 
the the, the brown haired lady that's yeah, quite I think fond so. of him. Yeah. He ends yeah. up strangling her, doesn't he, and kills her. Yeah. And, and then he gets Nasty. Yeah, then he he does the off. So yeah, it's um it's just an interesting little plot twist. It was quite cool for sort of most of episodes, sort of two and three, I'd say, mm. with that stuff. Um uh, but yeah, just kind of fizzled out a little bit, just sort of went nowhere. Yeah. Um, but it's not a bad thing. It was just another element, really, because we needed something that, you know, we really needed another. If that if that subplot wasn't in there, it would have been even more difficult to get through. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the only thing I like about it really is, is, is that they're trying to do the same things as the, as I keep saying ice warriors, uh, the sea devils <laughs> and the, and the Silurians. <laughs> they're trying to do the same thing of, of get, you know, the two, um, fractions of earth to blow each other up and you sort of think well that's quite interesting because they don't realize they're actually trying to do the same thing so the doctor's actually in a way trying to stop three different people doing the same thing so that's that's quite interesting but as i said it never quite reaches its full potential in terms of the story or on screen um but yeah i get where they were trying to go with it if you like yeah um i do have one other positive as well i don't know if you'll agree with this though is that i thought the model shots for the time were quite good because we maybe not so much the (laughs) the thing floating through space towards the tardis maybe not so much that but the underground sea base and certainly the silurians um sea you know sea ship or whatever it is uh the, you know i thought all oh, that looked really nice especially the bit where it's shooting out of the hmm. pod and stuff and it looked quite good for i hate, don't mean this in a dis- to be disrespectful but it looked quite good for doctor who right. for that time because right. some of the model shots we got <laughs> back then weren't always the best they always you know they could sometimes take you out the story a bit and bit ropey, um, weren't they? yeah very yeah and i but i thought in this one it looked like they'd put a bit of time and effort into it um considering you know the rest of this production looked so rushed i mm. thought the model shots actually looked like quite nice whoever did them yes no i agree yeah yeah it's good um some other positives um i really like the music in this story yeah, i like the music yeah yeah john gibbs he um he, he did a just a few um uh, stories in who but whenever i'm listening through uh you know the 50th anniversary collection yeah um, i listen to through that pretty much every day um i would say it's you know various moments of it and when I'm, when it it goes through the doctors in in order, it just picks out, um, you know, some stories from each era. And when it gets to this one, I just really the the music's really cool. It always stands mm. out for me when I'm listening to it. And when I hear it in the story, it really fits. Really it really well. suits great. the story. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. And yeah. he he did some great music. The other one that's really really nice is the Colin Baker, um, Mark of the Rani story. That's a really nice. Uh, suite of music for that mm. i think he did benjamin varos as well another baker oh did he yeah okay um so yeah i really like the music that was a really good fit i thought because sometimes in in classic who they just use these sort of bits of stock music that sort of blow out the speakers and are a bit mm. unbalanced but no, this was good yeah no i'd agree with that i really like the score like you said i just think it suited mm. suited the story and it's funny i when i come to that track on that uh, soundtrack as well you can immediately um see you know pictures in your mind from this story it really does suit it yeah. so yeah i thought that helped help to push it along a little bit mm. um and also um i know we mentioned that the that the sets were all sort of you know very similar just these very brightly lit mm. um sets and so on i actually thought the the with the exception of the very poor quality door that the murker comes through. Yeah. Um, I thought the rest of it was okay, you know, because in in a lot of classic who 
even when we have like four or five different sets, you can tell that it's all sort of painted MDF, mm. you know, and it's uh, the paint job is normally very bad and stuff. But this was all sort of metal construction and, you know, it, it, it didn't seem to have that flimsiness that some of the other sets had. I know it's fairly, you know, I don't know if boring's the right, the right word to use, but although it was quite a samey set and so on, I thought the construction was actually fairly good. I didn't really see much of a wobble going on. <laughs> Um, with a lot of it, but with the exception of the Merca scene, in you know, yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I like the set. I, th- I agree with Davidson on the commentary that it's a shame that they didn't light it slightly better because yeah. like, I agree with you. I think actually the set works really quite well for the story. Um, yeah, apart from the doors, and also if you watch the bit where uh, Davidson gets pushed over the tank just before he sort of turns around, he, he sort of bangs into the wall, and if you once you've seen it, you can't not look for it it does wobble really badly but um but that those two aside it, yeah it's a decent set and it's mm. got a roof to some of it as well i think i seem to remember which you don't always get which just makes it feel a bit more um real and you know like you could have got some good high shots see the murka bad as it is um <laughs> i mean it would have been very difficult to film it in a way that made it look good but i do think they you know, it could have been shot to look a bit more scary, but that's you know, a direction, mate. Unfortunately, that is again, a dire- I do, yeah. I do put a lot of it down. Yeah. I, if this serial would had more time, <laughs> more money, but that's never going to happen. Um, and, and better direction. I think it could have, we could have had something decent in there. I think there's, there's enough decent elements. It just is plagued with all these issues that it just, what we get on screen just doesn't do it justice. Really? Not really. No, no. Um, and it's a shame. It's a real shame because, and the thing is, there's nothing you can do. Unfortunately, in the eyes of the BBC, and especially at this time with Michael Grade in charge, Doctor Who was always going to sit at the bottom of the pile. Yeah, yeah. So whenever anything happens like it did with this story or anything, you know, they've got no hope at all of saying, no. can we have a bit more time or a bit more money, whatever, because it, mm. it was, ne- like you said, it was never going to happen. So it's a real shame. Mm. yeah so that's the um that's the sort of i mean for me like i said we've gone through some some decent bits and unfortunately there's quite a bit of poor elements to this story Mm. but it just seems to have this weight dragging it down as well this story because we have the controversy around michael grade and seeing this particular episode and wanting to cancel the show Mm. but it's also during the middle of or sort of middle towards the end of the production on this one, that's when Peter Davison and Jeanette Fielding decided to throw the towel in as well. So during this, they both said, you know, we're off. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we're leaving. <laughs> and, and I think John Nathan Turner tried to persuade Davison to do a fifth, um, a fifth series. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Um, I think Davison said, no, I've, you know, I don't want to be typecast, you know, moving forward in my career. So that's it. I think it was Patrick Troutman actually that said, only do four. Don't do any more than four because you'll be in danger of, you know, you'll always be in this science fiction-y type of, you know, of, of pigeonhole. So I yeah, think, I think I think Davidson says that. I think it's three series, actually. He says, don't do any more than three. Oh, three, sorry. That's Move right. on after yeah. three, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it was Pat yeah. who said that. Yeah, so yeah, he persuaded him to do a, try to persuade him to do a series four. Mm-hmm. But he was like, no, three is enough. No mm. way. So this episode, it does hang, you know, there are certain things that hang off of it that just give it this unnecessary weight to it. You know, it should have been just an awesome, you know, first story of a new series, Belter, you know, 
ratings should have been amazing. You know, it should have turned the opinions round to some of the, the the top dudes at the BBC. But I don't know. It's just it's 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 murked <laughs> by um it's murked by the murker by the murker. Yeah. Mm. So I've got nothing else really to say about it, mate. It's um I don't know if you've got anything in your notes you want to mention. No, no, I think we've pretty much covered it, mate. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the things that, you know, that a lot of people have said about our podcast is that even when we come to very poor stories like this, we always try and find the, and I've really tried to, you Mm. know, find the good stuff and not, you know, bash it too much. But, you know, there are times where, I don't know, I think it's just more disappointment more than anything else. It is, you know? yeah. There's a lot of potential, I think, yeah. in this one. Yeah, And I think it's very easy because hindsight is such a beautiful thing, you know, mm. and, and I'm sure pretty much the instant after this went out, the people who were making it, and you know, they, they probably felt the same thing. It's probably like, oh, you know, we could have done that better. And, yeah. you know, with maybe a few tweaks of the lighting and the camera angles, we've had a bit more impact here and stuff. So hindsight's a beautiful thing, but mm. just disappointment, really. Yeah. Rightio, scores. It's you to go first. It's me, is it? Okay, um, I'm going for a 6.5 6. on this one. 6.5, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I think, as I said, it's, um, uh, yeah, I didn't mind it this time. I kind of could see all the faults in it, and it certainly um, wouldn't be up there as one I'll watch a lot, but I, I kind of enjoyed it this time around. So, yeah, 6.5. Okay. Uh, I'm going reasonably low with this one. Not, um, mm-hmm. So I'm going to go with a 4.5. Oh, blimey, that is low. Oh, yes. Because okay. um, yeah. <laughs> I, I initially, after I finished watching it last night, my initial thought was, well, that's a, a, a real sort of middle of the road. That's around a five to me. Mm. But then I thought to myself, well, you know, I just cannot find, you know, more stuff. to Because if it's a middle of the road, that means that I'm, well, supposedly that means that, you know, I've got equal amounts of good and bad going on. But for me, unfortunately, there's more, you know, subpar stuff going on. So I couldn't go middle yeah. of the road. So just under with a four. I hear you. Point five. Understandable. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so we had a load of stuff in from our, our beautiful listeners. Uh, let's kick over off over on Twitter. So our buddy Morgan, the Gallifreyan <laughs> Hoovian, says, uh, while it's mostly, you're right there, mate. <laughs> while it's mostly hated, I think it's a decent watch, uh, full of pacing and badly constructed rubber monsters. But the overall plot, getting the humans to destroy themselves, is actually pretty dark. And the base under siege element works really well. 6.7. He's very specific with his... 6.7, okay. Yes. Um, At DWSSG01 says, A very guilty pleasure. It brings back nostalgia of 84 on my first season with a video recorder. So I am ham-fistedly edited all of the episodes into stories. Oh, yes. Okay, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Um, uh, let's continue with Sarah Louise Baggett, the uh, running Hoovian, says, not keen on this one, but the rewatch did offer a lot of nostalgia. Mm. Usually it's the monsters made out of bubble wrap. This time it was the bed covers. <laughs> great to see the Silurians and the sea devils good voices too but the murker kicking down the door did make me cringe yeah she gives it a six okay out of ten 
Mm-hmm. Um, Blazing Callum 29 says, an interesting idea, but poor execution. Bad design yeah. for the Silurians. And I think a low budget really has a negative impact on this one. Uh, great acting and direction, though. Oh, um, I wouldn't agree with the direction, but anyway, yeah. Uh, Mike Friendly 03 says, uh, criminally underrated, in my opinion, and has some truly great moments. Once you get past the tattiness and the cheapness, it's a very enjoyable story. By no means a good Doctor Who and the Silurians or the Sea Devils, but still an underrated gem for me, 7 out of 10. Ooh, okay, good. Yeah. Uh, Philip Smith uh, at the Ginger Doctor Who says, based under multiple sieges with some clever direction and strong performances from the cast, despite the criticism often levelled at the Merca, uh, there was much to enjoy from this story. Mm. Okay. Uh, moving yeah. over to Facebook. Uh, Martin Arnold says, never mind the critics, this is actually a really good story with an interesting mm-hmm. and cynical ending. Uh, the base is populated by people in bizarre accounts of makeup. Okay, there's, <laughs> he says, okay, there's that scene. Uh, I think he refers to the Merca there. He says, okay, the Merca looks more like Dobbin, the pantomime seahorse. <laughs> <laughs> he says, but come on, guys, we're Hoovians. We can look past all the production issues. It's got Silurians and the Sea Devils tag team. So give it some mm. love. Uh, David Paul Morgan says, enjoyed this one. Classic base under siege scenario. The false alarm nuclear Armageddon was a timely story during our Cold War years. Uh, the use of the silver data disc was interesting. Performance-wise, yeah. some top-notch, act- top-notch actors here and our TARDIS team gave their usual all. Um, not too much screaming. Mm. Uh, he says, the hexachromite gas as a solution, quote-unquote, was a tad obvious, but oh dear, don't mention the murka. He gave it a C base, six out of C base, 10. <laughs> uh, Steve Hur says, okay, you could watch this with your adult head on and pick it to pieces, but where's the fun in that? Put your 12-year-old head on and enjoy monsters, sea creatures, karate-kicking doctors, and lots of green gunk-inducing killings. Eight out of 10 for sheer entertainment. <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> uh, Russ Hilton says, um, I'm with all those who said we need to look at this with our child head on. It's too easy as adults to tear into the costumes and the murka. As a story, this was not only topical at the time, but well-written and thought out. A strong cast and two related monsters teaming up. 7.5. Mm, okay. Uh, Sammy Satine says, Happy Australia Day, or it will be when this goes out. Um, it's nice to see the Sea Devils and the Silurians together, though why do the Sea Devils have double chins? Oh, it happens to us us all, That's just an age thing, Sammy, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Also, Tegan and Turlo were less annoying than than in other stories. Davison Mm. was good. Four points off for the Sea Devil's chins. Oh, dear. So I assume she gave that a six. (laughs) Now, we got a very, very long review from Thomas Cookson, and I can't read all of it out because uh, he really went into detail, but I'm going to say that he hates this story. Oh, right. Yeah. So just to pick out a couple of bits, uh, he says, not only a poorly produced visual disaster, but with a hateful and mean-spirited rotten heart to boot. Oh. He goes on to say, it's almost as if we're to believe the Doctor spent the entire Pertwee and Tom Baker eras spitefully contemplating betraying us all to that week's invaders, and he finally does so here. Um. He says the much celebrated final line is ripped off from the Dal- from the first Dalek serial. 
the Cold War mutually assured destruction angle was done much better in that too. And there was no reason for this story to exist. Frankly, it's almost a shame Michael Gray didn't cancel the show before this could air mm. to disgrace the canon. Oh, rotten heart, Tegan. Thomas Cookson is livid about this story. Oh, wow, not a fan. He says, sadly, that he says, sad that only a story prior on The Five Doctors, the show's future seems so bright and so capable of charming and winning mainstream audiences before this almighty kick in the face. <laughs> right. I would, I'm going to say that he, he's probably down the one, potentially zero I out think, of ten mark. I think zero C bases yeah. out of ten. Interesting yeah. stuff there, Thomas. Thank you very much. Yeah, cheers, Thomas. Uh, Maria Kalitichel says, uh, all I'll say is I love Tegan's costume in this <laughs> and remember making my own version. Oh. Maria, that's quite a claim. Mm. Uh, good story if so overlit <laughs> yeah. uh, needed lots of shadow to hide Dobby uh, sorry the Merca <laughs> <laughs> thank you Maria uh, Jason Thayer says the Merca is terrible good commentary on the nuclear arms race though 4 out of 10 Lewis Palmer it's okay not the worst of all time fairly well written story which is let down by many other factors um, it's a shame that this indirectly led to the cancellation of the show uh, with Grade always pointing to this one as to why he canned it. He does love the final scene. It's so dark and it's contributing to season 21's character arc for the fifth Doctor. He's the kindest Doctor and throughout these stories he's put through the absolute worst. Mm. Uh, great stuff. Overall, it's just average. I think there's a lot wrong with it, but some good stuff too, 4.5. And uh, Lewis put a pound in the swear jar for calling it season 21 and not series 21. Oh, right. Yeah, I thought so. Uh, Stan Gallagher says, Peter's line at the end is very noble. I like the story, but the costumes were bad and some of the co-actors were bad. Mm. Uh, George Puddy, who I'm actually going to read out this week because I always miss his review. Oh. When he emails in, I'm very sorry. George Puddy says, um, so Warriors of the Deep, this is a guilty pleasure for me. In the same way that Gary likes time flight and Adam likes time in the Rani. <laughs> Very true. Very uh, true. The effects are incredibly poor, even for classic Who, and the acting from guest characters is pretty dreadful, yet it has somewhat of a charm that I can't really explain. There is just something about seeing the Sea Devils and the Silurians in a story, and I actually prefer the Sea Devil redesign in this one. Uh, overall, it's a poor story, yet one that I really enjoy. Um, I give Warriors of the Deep 6.5. Oh, same as me. Cheers, George. Cheers, George. Uh, last few now. Martin Howes says, first story I can clearly remember from childhood and all down to the murka. Mm. Jason Howes says, I can't help but like this story. Has many flaws, but beyond them, there is a good story. One scene that always sticks in my mind from watching it when it was first transmitted is the Doctor falling into the water. Mm. Uh, the still wet green paint from the murka affected our TV. Uh, also affected our TV as the picture went green partway through one of the episodes. Ooh, oh, spooky. <laughs> and lastly, uh, Mark Daniel Mooney says, very short and sweet. It's flawed, but a certain scrappy charm to it. Hmm. Nice way of putting it. Yes. Uh, anything over on the Geek's handbag stuff? 
Yeah, yeah. I've got a very long review from Kevin Mullen, but um, I think I can sum up in one word. Kevin would agree with our, our friend earlier that really didn't like this one. He says, another boring Davison story. He says, the Salerians look cheap with their flashing eyes. Uh, doesn't like the Sea Devils redesign. Uh, he does think the sets are quite impressive, but basically he says, bland, 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 bland. <laughs> one, two, five, oh slash. I don't, it, it just says it's bland. I mean, <laughs> Kevin's just really not a fan of this. If you want to read his full comment, head over to Facebook page. <laughs> quite funny. Uh, Loopy Lou says, uh, a good fun watch. Uh, she loves Turlo and Tegan on their own. Thinks they're a good team. Cool. Uh, Jonathan Dolan says uh, he absolutely loves this story. He says he was four or five when it first aired um, and he was in hospital at the time. He said his, his aunt taped it along with the five doctors and uh, he repeatedly watched them and never got bored. Oh, cool. Uh, he likes the fact that the story is set against the threat of nuclear war um, and the Sea Devils, despite having an appalling aim, yeah, they do, look like an impressive army. He says he likes the new design. Um, doesn't give it a score, but basically, yeah, I think he's a fan. He says he really loves it. Gavin, uh, sorry, Gavrick Sawyer says it's probably the nostalgia of watching this as a small child in the early 2000s. But seriously, I don't really get the hate, he says. Sure, the effects aren't all that, but when was Classic Who really notable for having cutting-edge visuals? Um, oh, he goes on to give it a 9 out of 10. So he really likes this one. Mm. Uh, just got two more. Got Patrick Sherwood who says... Um, so this story to me, I like this one. Uh, thinks it's one of my favourite Peter Davison stories. He says one of his favourite. He means okay. um, he gives it a nine point five out of ten. And finally, Charlie Turner says, not perfect, but a nice watch if you're in the right mood. Oh, that's interesting. That's what I said earlier. Uh, he gives it an eight out of ten. So um, mostly positives there mm. on Geeks Handbag. One Kevin Mullen, who's not a fan. Mm. Bland, 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 he says. So, yeah, mostly okay, so. I think nostalgia seems to be playing a big part in this, I've noticed. Yes. You know, a lot of people around my age that probably remember it and enjoy watching it again, um, but can really, you know, appreciate its faults. Yeah. It's always a, um, it's always a dangerous thing. Uh, the stuff with your old nostalgia goggles on. Yeah. Although sometimes it can't be helped. Mm. That's just the way it is. I'm yes. guilty of it many times yeah. with things. But there we go. A bit of a mixed bag, some high scores and some low scores. But uh, I would say if I had to average it out very roughly, we're looking at middle of the road. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. What have we got next week? It's modern Doctor Who or new so, Doctor Who, whatever you yes. want to call it. Yeah, so Matt Smith next week. Um, interesting one, I think this is going to be to review. Uh, Asylum of the Daleks next uh-huh. week. Asylum of the Daleks. This kickstarted a series as well, didn't it? Series or six, is, wasn't it? Was it? Or, I thought it was seven. Was I don't it? know. But I remember it was at the start of a series. I remember thinking, ooh, you know, a, a new a new series upon us. So, yeah, I'm looking oh. forward to doing that one. I can't, I can't remember. It's been so long since I've watched it. I haven't watched I, it for ages. Oh, no, yeah. hold on. It was Series 7 because that's yeah. when they kicked off the kind of movie-style posters for each that's story, right. wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And uh, if memory serves as well, this was a Moth-written episode because he kicks off the... Oh, probably because yeah. it's, um yeah. Hmm. So it'd be interesting. First one. Yeah, it would be a moth one, wouldn't it? Yes. Yeah. So get your DVDs or Blu-rays out for that. We'll be asking for your thoughts as always. Asylum mm. of the Daleks. And I think we'll wrap there, mate, for 173. Okay.
Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for sticking with us for 173 and your continued listenership, support and so on. It's great stuff. Uh, just want to reiterate what I mentioned at the beginning of the show. Thank you so much to all of our listeners um, who have either listened from the early days or if you've just jumped on board the TARDIS, it's great to have you here. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. It what makes uh, it, it sounds cheesy and corny, but it, it really does make the podcast um, sort of validate what we do, if you like. Because like we mentioned yeah. earlier, we could just you know bleat on for ages into uh, empty ears or empty space and <laughs> that wouldn't be very good so uh thank you once more so next week asylum of the daleks get that watched we want your reviews on that we want to hear what you guys think um i think i've seen that one time if memory serves i think i saw it when it went out yes i'm positive i saw it when it went out but i didn't watch it when i picked up the um the series seven box set yeah, I've watched it twice, I think, when it went right. out and possibly once more. Okay. Yeah, but not for a while. Okay. So that'll be good. Good to go through that. Um, so head over to the website, www.bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk. You can listen to all of our previous shows on there. You can also check out all of the wonderful articles that we have going out on a weekly basis from our cool writing team. And on the website, you can also find links off to all the social stuff so give us a like and a follow on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram all that jazz and podcast wise you can also link off to iTunes and Stitcher and Spotify all those things so you can give us a subscribe on there which would be great and if you're an iTunes listener if you could send us a a review and a rating if you've got a minute that would be awesome because that really helps also check out Adam's channel The Geek's Handbag Handbag. yeah Geek's Handbag just do a search for uh, The Geek's Handbag on YouTube got a great channel over there also on facebook and twitter and instagram snapchat all that stuff <laughs> everything <laughs> everything it's a great channel there from adam loads of really really cool videos so uh head over there and check him out yes until next week for 174 my name is gary and my name is Ad- adam and remember uh, <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>